rich people or people that had a position could use that to uh, avoid the draft and not uh, be taken into the military. Um, I found that very upsetting that such a thing could occur. And that's why I wrote Fortunate Son. That's really what the, the whole intent of the song, that was the inspiration for the song. And so I find it uh, confusing, I would say, that the president has chosen to use my song for his political rallies, uh, when in fact, it seemed like he is probably the fortunate son. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you're listening to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, D. Simon. Um, while Harrison is still on sabbatical, the guest host this week is a uh, L.A.-based comedian, uh, fellow podcaster, and writer, John Michael Bond. How's it going, John? Oh, it's going great. Though, uh, in the apocalypse, I, I no longer identify as a comedian. I'm just a bard in the dystopia, you know? A bard, um, uh, in, yeah, dystopic bard. I think that has a good ring to it. I'm walking around uh, trading stories for scraps of food. With your loot? Getting into to fights with dragons. <laughs> it's, it's lovely. I keep wanting to call you John Michael Vincent for some reason. I'm gonna... I feel J. Michael Vincent, he was an actor, right? No, was... I think it was Jan Michael Vincent. Remember that guy? Jan Michael Vincent? Yeah, Jan Michael I... Vincent was in uh, the 80s TV show Airwolf. Yeah. And then he became this terrible drunk. Like, he looked like a bloated, horrible, like a, like a, I don't know, like a fucking zombified version of himself like by the 90s when I think he finally died of alcoholism. But the name I... Jan Michael Vincent... I feel um, like he uh, descended into alcoholism when a million dipshits like me called him Jan. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. I loved Airwolf. I didn't know that motherfucker was named Jan until this You were calling moment. him Jan? I've called him Jan Michael Vincent <laughs> for years. I'm pretty sure it's, like, the Dutch pronunciation of Jan. Yeah, Jan. I was raised in Tennessee. There is no Dutch pronunciation. <laughs> You're just a boy named Jan. And that's okay, because he, he had a fucking helicopter. You yeah, know? Like, that had, like, machine guns on it, you know? Yeah. You could be a badass. Jan if you've got a fucking god launcher on your helicopter, you know? And his I buddy drove a was, Honda. I'm not going to talk shit. And his buddy was uh, Borgnine, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, it's pretty cool. Anyway, it's a good way for me to have like a mnemonic device to remember your name. So, John sure. Michael, Vincent, John Michael. You, All right. You call me John. You call me John Michael. Uh, what happened when I was a little kid, uh, my parents told me my name was hyphenated John Michael. And then I registered to vote and my voter registration was denied. And it was denied because I found out I had a first and a middle name and my mom was just a liar. And that's why George Bush was elected the first time. Thanks, mom. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, yeah, I you're in a battleground him. state too, right? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. I, I straight up, I was like, why did, why didn't you just tell me I had a first and a last name? And she's like, I wanted people to call you John Michael. And I was like, you had a fucking opportunity to do that when you fucking named me. Was uh, she a big Airwolf fan? Uh, no, my mother no. has watched one episode of Airwolf begrudgingly when I had the flu when I was eight. <laughs> so. uh uh, John Michael, thanks for being on the show. Uh, how how was your uh, 9-11? Oh, I had a fantastic 9-11. Oh, uh, 
Well, it's, make a it's nice. I feel like every 9-11 before this, we had to remember the dead. Never and forget. And this year, every like six days, as many people die as have died on 9-11. And this is the year we really get to come to terms with the fact that we spent trillions of dollars on a war defending like what? <laughs> a handful I, of people? I like, think it was just making Dick Cheney extra cash. Yeah, no, 100%. But on paper, defending... <laughs> Yeah. Hand, like, like talking, it's they died very tragically, but they died quickly. None of them coughed to death. Well, I take that back. First responders well, did, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, it, it it's. I mean, it's also weird. I think because it's it's like nine eleven's nineteen now, and it's like when do you stop celebrating a birthday? Uh, I think when you turn eighteen, that's your last birthday till you turn twenty one. And then that's your last birthday till you turn 25. So I think we're, we should have skipped this year. We should skip next year. But when 9-11 turns 21, we should have a fucking rager. We should definitely have a party for that one. Uh, what I found funny about this year, well, 9-11 is always funny. But typically they're like, never forget, never forget, posting pictures on Facebook and all that. Well, this year was the first year they used the, uh, the term that was trending on Twitter, all buildings matter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Pricks. The, I, I enjoy. <laughs> I I hate to see a meme become just like happenstance, but it was really fun. Whenever like one of my ultra 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 like America uncles was like, "Never forget 9/11." One of my friends would just pop in and be like, "You know, the flu kills more people every year." <laughs> uh, it was. It just filled me with great joy. <laughs> yeah, that, that was like Trent. Like some people are really upset about that. All buildings matter. They're like, yo, never forget. And then the all yeah. buildings matter. We're like, well, no, all buildings. Like, who cares about the the twin towers? And it's just well, like the thing is, people don't want to politicize death unless you're politicizing death the way they want you to politicize death. And that's and, yeah. And that's like I'm I'm a ghoul. I fucking laugh at everything. But at least I have the dignity. To exactly. treat everything you like know? it doesn't matter. And you know? equally, you know, it's like it's it's yeah, contempt with equality. Well, and all, like also 9-11 happened like I was in 12th grade and like it, I, I was in homeroom. I was listening to a death metal CD on my headphones. <laughs> I wasn't paying any attention. And I looked up and they had the TV on and I watched a plane fly into a tower and like, you know, I. I I'm the only person I know who witnessed that tragedy with an appropriate soundtrack. Yeah, I didn't even, I remember I was like unemployed. I just got laid off. It was like early, was it? Yeah, 2001. It was like early, <laughs> the bust of the dot-com thing back then, the first one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was unemployed and I was very hungover. And uh, I woke up at like uh, 2.30 or something, West Coast time. And <laughs> I remember my my brother called me up. It's like, dude, are you? did you see the news? I'm like, no, nah, what happened? He goes, Fucking terrorists flew a plane into a building. I was like, you're totally shitting me. No way. And yeah. I looked, and I'm like, oh, shit. That's fucking cool. <laughs> I feel like uh, we don't really give 9-11 credit for being the last major tragedy you could ignore if you were on offline. Yeah. You know, because, like, nowadays, you just, no your way. phone blows up. There's no way. Twitter notification. Everything's yeah, no saturated. Way. Yeah. That, you could have had You could have had a lovely original 9-11 you could you could have been like I'm you know what I'm just I'm, the phone's off today I'm taking the day off work I'm and had no Best idea I'm yeah. gonna get some I'm gonna get those fresh new Tuesday CDs <laughs> yeah that's the thing it's like had I not answered that faithful phone call from my brother I could have had a wonderful day and I didn't like not I I like not every channel went to news coverage 
So like if you were one of the if you're like you only watch TBS, if you turned on TBS, you would be getting Seinfeld reruns. Yeah. You know, you, know, you, could, it, have gone, you could have completely been oblivious. You could have been unaware until at least the 13th, I think, if you had a lonely enough existence. <laughs> so John Michael, I met you. <laughs> Uh, a couple weeks ago over at uh, Ryan Keeley's house, you have a mutual friend there, and we're chatting about doing liquid LSD. And you, yeah. were, you were planning on taking a trip that weekend out to the desert with your wife, and yeah. you both were going to do a, a, a whole grip of LSD with some friends. What Oops. happened? How'd it go? Okay, so not we're, we were doing the opposite of a grip. Uh, okay. <laughs> we, we, uh, what we were trying to do is uh, create, uh, to cut, a vial of liquid LSD into micro doses so that you could take like a single drop and then have like a lovely day, not see your third eye, not quote any dragons, you know, just take it, have the, the, the heightened awareness of LSD, but not have the hallucinogenic elements of LSD. Did you just put uh, it in your eyeball? No. Oh God. Never, <laughs> never put liquid LSD in your eyes. Where, uh, where did I, that come from? Like who did that? Uh, liquid LSD the first time in the eye. Oh, in the like, eye? Like, who was like, you know what would be a great idea? Just drop it in the eye. Well, actually, I don't know if you Is know it like this. Terrence uh, McKenna or someone? It was... <laughs> it was... Oh, God, what was the name of that fucking... Uh, it's it's not Abby time. Hoffman. It's... Uh, but I feel like it's a, it's a Hoffman. God damn it. What oh, was Abby it? Hoffman? It was Albert Hoffman. Uh, Abby Albert. Hoffman, yeah, Abby Hoffman. Abby Hoffman wrote Steal This Book. Albert Hoffman uh, revolutionized psychedelics. Uh, I think that it was... Uh, Albert Hoffman's uh, best friend Steve-O who was the first one who put <laughs> it was just like you know what I'm gonna trip faster than all you motherfuckers Here's the, like, right in the eye psychedelic culture has taken Albert Hoffman and made him into this like incredible dude he accidentally um, he took a bunch of LSD and then went on a bike ride and then didn't realize that he had taken LSD like he he dropped some lysergic acid and he thought there was gonna be something with it but he didn't know exactly what was gonna happen and then he went on a bike ride and had the first documented like LSD trip and like he, we've romanticized that story and like sure he was a scientist but you also know when he told that story he picked up some dipshit friends along the way and I'm positive <laughs> he had that, to have yes you know hundred yeah like there were the, the Grateful Dead like have, have like falling over teddy bears is one of their like images for a reason there's a lot of burly sweet natured good dudes who took too much acid and like jumped and fell on their head well, and, all their and they still think the grateful dead is a good band you know oh man i i i was i'm a i'm a lifelong like punk rock death metal hardcore kid and i got super into the grateful dead in the last year so <laughs> <laughs> that's never happened to me the dead and fish were two bands i just never got into although i, I like the dead better than fish well, what I did is I took uh, two hits of acid and went and saw them live. And that, if that doesn't sell you on them, you'll be fine. You just are like, oh, it's like the Rolling Stones played very slowly. It's great. Um, <laughs> I gotta say, I love the parking lots though. Outside oh, of oh, uh, shit. the Deadhead, yeah. Like I never, so, never got into the band, but I had a fucking good time in the parking lot tailgating. So like this, the the, the weekend, this weekend we we did. What we did, we successfully cut the acid. It, it, we cut it down. We, it's microdosable now, and that means like I could take a little bit on like a Monday and go to work and still be fine. Um, like take it like you mean like you could take it early in the day, just like a drop in your like yeah. under the tongue or something. Like how do you do yeah. it? Uh, I put it on a piece of sugar. Okay. And that way I can like make sure it's. Uh, it's like the classic because a drop, a drop changes. Like each there's no 
one size of a drop. So sometimes it drops bigger than others. But I'll just put on a piece of sugar, cut that in half, and then put it on my tongue, let it dissolve. Um, and it, it literally is almost like Adderall. It's just a, it's a really good antidepressant. It's like a stimulant? Like it just, it just kind of gives you a, okay. But, but like I mean, a how, long, stimulant. how long does it take to, uh, I guess, to, to go, go into effect? Uh, if a liquid state, it takes 30 minutes usually, sometimes okay. an hour. Um, depends on if you've eaten. And how intense? Um, uh, depends on the chemistry of what it is. But the way, the, the, the way microdoses work is you don't want it to be intense. Like in a perfect world, the only thing that feels different is yourself. Like you won't even feel the like the high aspect of it. Well, then what's the point? Because, okay, so have you ever done LSD? Oh, yeah, yeah, many times. Okay. I've, been, I've only done liquid acid twice, and we weren't okay. microdosing. We were you, doing a generous done, amount. So you've only done a bunch of LSD. Oh, yeah. Like that, okay, we were so, trying to like, you know, go totally. to the parallel dimension, third eye, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm a firm believer in taking so much that you could talk to dogs, but yeah. <laughs> uh, that was the goal. But that was so also the, 16. So the goal with microdoses is because most people only take so much that they have like a crazy experience. Uh, a microdose, you never like notice the 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 micro benefits. You never notice the smaller benefits of it. Um, and the same part of your consciousness that expands when you take a lot of it also expands when you take a little bit of it and a tiny tiny version of that expansion uh can allow for clearer thought it can allow for uh an easier time seeing just basic everyday happiness hmm. um it, it's really interesting and it has none of the like uh digestive think, problems that like mushrooms uh, have so you don't get like weird bubble guts. Uh, that that um, was that's the the main reason why I don't do psilocybin, like mushrooms. Almost every time, it's like straight to the oh, trots. I'll, let me you tell know? you, for just give you a quick recipe for anyone listening, for you specifically, uh, if you get bubble guts from mushrooms, you take them, put them in a coffee grinder, grind them up, uh, take your dose, put it in a glass, and then fill that glass with fresh lemon juice. Uh, the lemon juice, the acid in it starts to break down the unground up parts of the mushroom, which is going to start digestion before it even hits your stomach. It's also going to convert the psilocybin into psilocybin, which is going to give you a faster and more visual trip. Uh, it makes it last four to five hours instead of six to seven, but it's a overall stronger and more positive experience. Wow. And you no know, I'm going to have to try that. Yeah, yeah. No oh, shit. It it's a good thing. Well, so, you're like a cosmonaut here. Have oh, you like I, written books about uh, psychedelics? I, I, not yet. I've uh, okay. So my problem is I've been a freelancer for fucking eighteen years. Uh, you know, I, uh, I've, I've, I have very few standard jobs. My resume looks like a witness protection lie. Um, <laughs> like I, I write about pornography now. I used to record audio books. I was a social worker at one point. Um, I've just I've never had a normal job, and it's given me the freedom to almost never get drug tested. And because of that, I if I'm in states where it's legal, cops, I don't know, there's got to be a cop on this, at least one fed. Uh, if you're oh, a yeah. fed, it's only in states where it's legal. Uh, yeah. But I've done a lot of mushrooms and acid. I've also like taken long breaks between them. I'm not one of those people who, I think it's possible to take them so often that it kind of changes who you I think are it, for the yeah, worse. Yeah, I think it can change your character. I've, I've, I've known people that have done that, like, you know, back in Michigan when it's just mm -hmm. there's nothing else to do. And you just do psychedelics, you know, some people I knew did it every day. It did change their personality. Oh, but yeah. people like, I mean, I was kind of like a you know, special occasion, a couple times a month maybe, mm -hmm. you know, and, but we would trip hard. I mean, we trip yeah. for multiple days. 
dude especially i the thing that like the big turning point for me i used to trip really hard and then i had my first microdose and i it literally it changed the world for me i uh i i found out that i like doing it by myself and just having silence and meditation uh just as much as i like doing it and going like taking a whole bunch and going to a concert and just like dancing my ass off um it's i think it's important for people to learn like the upsides of moderation and everything and like one of the nice aspects of moderate psychedelic experimentation is you there's all sorts of parts of your brain that get shouted down when you take a huge mm-hmm. dose but there's also really nice everyday parts of you that probably deserve a look and it is fascinating what taking just a tiny tiny amount and being in a safe place will do for you uh it's great for depression it's great for insomnia it's great for uh life choices well my um, uh um, you know like it's it's just a solid choice all the way around well harrison who uh who's on sabbatical right now he was microdosing uh psilocybin for months and he and he he's you know has suffers from depression and he thought it was uh helping his depression i'm not sure if he ever tried to microdose lsd but is that i mean is that as effective as doing mushrooms i haven't tried it for my depression i have microdosed mushrooms before for my depression and it was fantastic um uh i part of why i'm trying to get this microdose perfect is so that i can use it uh as a uh as an impression yeah um but also i think it's okay to have a separation like i tend to use mushrooms more for antidepressants because it's what i know has worked for me in the past and it's familiar and uh i could just you know grind up some put them in pills and then take like a half gram or like a third of a gram and have uh, a lovely body sensation and that feeling that like everything is love and warmth and light and also be able to like go to the store and actually actually function yeah yeah yeah, yeah I've, that's I've, the, that's the thing when you're tripping on like six hits of lsd you're not going to the bank you know you it's hard to well, even see, get a slurpee at 7-eleven trust me i've tried see it's, it's you traumatic. mentioned the, the you mentioned the grateful dead parking lot and uh, I, the day that I realized how strong I am on psychedelic, I can pull myself out if I get real bad. Like I, I'm very high strong as a person. Um, and I was absolutely tripping balls when I saw the Grateful Dead. And when I left, uh, I walked out of the, the venue. I'd gone with some friends who got tickets and just gave me one. And uh, I lost them immediately in the parking lot while peeking. Um, and <laughs> that, first off, I, I now know that I can handle a farmer's market on acid. Yeah. I know I can haggle for a beer Some when life I have lessons no cash there. on acid. That's great. But the thing I learned the most is that I can keep my cool when two police helicopters descend from the sky. Wow. Yeah. That's something I wouldn't want to experience on LSD. Two, two police helicopters came down at Dodger Stadium and were like, hippies, leave. <laughs> and, and I didn't, uh, and when I saw them, all I saw was two bright points of light. Come Dragons? Down. <laughs> just, not UFOs. They felt yeah, like yeah. UFOs. And I, I also believe that I've seen UFOs multiple times. So uh, <laughs> I handled it well. I was like, it's so cool. It's cool. You can look at me. I'm not a hippie. I'm going to leave. It's all good, guys. You didn't uh, try to get into it. You didn't try to be like, no. I am going to board this UFO and I'm fly to Mars. I'm a believer in uh, protesting when people try to shut down a party. But uh, I also believe that if you have... Uh, the ability to fly, I'm not fucking with you. <laughs> you know, like, I, Just I would leave tease him alone. 
I would tease a cop on horseback, but a helicopter? Fuck no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would leave him alone. Best case scenario, I, best case scenario, I bring that helicopter down and it chops me in half. <laughs> you know, I'm not. I don't want to live a Twilight Zone, the movie life. Yeah, that that was the thing I think with uh, LSD that I found the most di- commerce was difficult to me because at, at that point you're like, you know, this paper has no meaning. Not to mention I was unable to count it. It's like you know, oh, yeah, that's that's one hundred percent. Set a budget. Yeah. Uh, if you if you're gonna go out in public on psychedelics, carry cash. Mm-hmm. Leave Don't your try debit, to use card a debit card at home. Leave your debit card at home. Uh, bring your phone if you can be responsible and your pants have pockets. I know that's not possible for people who wear uh uh dresses and things but if you have the ability to have a a good deep pocket bring your phone but uh you know try to stay on foot and carry cash don't 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 use your fucking credit card (laughs) because you'll never know what you're gonna buy no you do you're gonna buy podcasting equipment and (laughs) And and you're gonna promise you're gonna use it and you know you're not or you, you might know, use it, and then 15 years worse. later, you're going to be looking at your life like, what the fuck? Hey, um, I got an English degree and looked at my life 15 years later and was like, what the fuck? I mean, it's yeah. all it's all uh, on paper. You know? that, that's what happens. Well, well, John Michael, thanks for being on the show. Thanks I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to, to chat with you. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, one of these days, I'm going to take you up on the uh, microdosing LSD. Uh, happily. Um, I need some clarity. Well, uh, typically we end up, you know, on the show, we usually do like an intro topic where we kind of get into something and uh, explore like uh, something relevant and a little more detail. Oftentimes our listeners send us topics. I would say 80% of the time I just delete the email. But uh, every now and then you get someone that sends something that's insightful. And so this week uh, this guy Tom on Facebook emailed me and he was like, have you ever heard of Universe 25? Uh, the Mouse Utopia Experiments. And at first I was just like, God, I haven't really heard of this. But then after reading about it, I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard of this. I love the movie The Secret of Nim. And, like, The Secret <laughs> of Nim is loosely based on the book, I think Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, yeah. uh, which is based on this experiment in the 60s about population control called Universe 25. And Speaking so, of psychedelic ideas, what if oh, we yeah. took... The Torture of Rats. And then we made not only a children's book, but a beloved animated children's classic. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's... A, that's Based the idea. They had to have been inspired. They, This guy probably microdosed to come up with this 100%. idea. You know? Uh, but yeah, I was looking into it, and I sent you a, a clip. Uh, you can find, like, a good summary online on YouTube if you just do a search for University of 25, or Universe 25, and they kind of go through the whole experiment. But uh, reading about it, it's like it's kind of fascinating. And I think it still, you know, is relevant for, for this day and age. Um, so the, the guy who did it, his name's Dr. John Bumpass Calhoun. Bumpus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming it's Bumpus. But, Bumpus uh, was the Jan of the uh, 1917s. <laughs> yeah, it's like we Americans would be like, yeah, it's Bumpass. But it's, it must be Bumpus. Bumpus. <laughs> Bumpus. So John Bumpass Calhoun spent the 60s and 70s basically being like the god of mice, you know. Um, mm-hmm. he, t- he, took, uh, he did experiments on thousands of rodents in an effort to study population growth and its effects on human behavior. And it's a weird, it's a weird experiment. It's, it's also weird to me that, uh, like, he would get funding for this. Because it, yeah, well, 
I mean, you have to remember this experiment took place in a golden age of science when people were just like, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, uh, it's you just know, like, like well, why not do it? You know, this sounds science interesting. Wasn't as, science wasn't as political at this time. You know, we're, we're 20 years after the U.S. government has allowed Nazis into America for our rocket program. And we don't really care what your politics are as long as your idea is interesting, you know? Yeah, I guess, I guess that's true because at that point they were already having Nazis here, you know, building nuclear weapons. And, so. and people are, I will understand, people are like, why are you talking about Nazis? This man essentially made a, uh, a, a, a utopian concentration camp. <laughs> With mice. Yeah, yeah. Like if, 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 uh, if you're hippy dippy, like I don't vaccinate my kids, but I believe in free love friend tried to figure out how to make a concentration camp. It would be, I think it would uh, be like this. Yeah. It's cause it's, it's in theory based on love, but it's so fucked up when you actually look at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it kind of, it kind of demonstrates that if you did something like this and trap people in, in this situation, even if they had everything that they would ever need and no, you know, no outside like violence or harsh weather conditions or anything like that, they still would end up killing each other. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> but it, it also like it, it the, so let's, let's, I, I, my, my takeaway for the, the end result of the experiment, very different than that. So let's, 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 let's uh, get it. Let's get into it. Let's do it. the experiment yeah, so we can, it. I can explain why I've, I've, this fucked with me so badly. <laughs> so July 9th, 1968, um, Bumpus, John, Dr. John Bumpus Calhoun, he took eight mice and he placed oh, them into an especially constructed environment at the uh, National Institute of Mental Health, NIM, in uh, Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, the space was kind of like a room. He called it Universe 25, but it was about the size of a small storage unit. And the mice themselves, he actually did it with mice and rats. Like he had mice mm -hmm. in, in one environment, rats in another. But the mice. Into the book later. Yeah. Uh, the mice themselves were bright and healthy. Handpicked from the Institute's breeding stock. They're given the run of the place. They had everything they, they might need. You know, food, unlimited water, climate control, hundreds of nesting boxes to choose from, a lush floor of, like, shredded paper, ground corn cob. There were, all predators were removed. There were no harsh environmental conditions. And so this guy thought, you know, in this environment, you know, these animals would flourish. And so... Uh, the, the end result was actually quite different. Um, so that was the, you know, the NIM experiment was his largest mouse utopia. But, you know, he dabbled beforehand. Like he, uh, his first, his first like real experiment after he got his doctorate in biology uh, was uh, studying the habits of Norwegian rats, which are one of the city's chief uh, pets. So this was like and those almost. Were, those Norwegian rats were very specific. Weren't the, those are the Norwegian white rats, right? Yeah, the Norwegian. They were like specifically bred to fight disease and be like super fucking strong rats. And, but they, so this was his first mouse utopia, which is about 20 years uh, earlier. And so what he did, he had like a quarter acre rat city behind his house filled with breeding Only Aryan pets. mice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was breeding the master uh, mice race. <laughs> the mouster race. The mouster race. Um, <laughs> he expected about five, like the, they had a capacity for 5,000 rats. Um, but over the two years, he observed that the city, the population of the city, never really exceeded over 150, which is odd given that they had every condition, you know, to flourish. <clears throat> they had everything they needed, you know. Um, but around the, you know, after like the first few months, he noticed that the rats became too stressed to reproduce. Um, they started acting weird, rolling dirt into balls rather than digging tunnels. 
Uh, they hissed and fought. And so he was like, you know, this is bizarre. If these animals, these mice and rats, had everything that they need, what was keeping them from just like overrunning this like little city, just overpopulating? And so on this theory, he decided to expand on it. And that's when he went to uh, NIM, National Institute of Mental Health. And they were like, here's a whole room to build your rodentopia. Just go crazy. Have fun. It looks, it looks like something out of a Saw film. Yeah, it is. It is so. Yeah, it is so it's, creepy. It's like a creepy ass box. It has uh, <laughs> feeders all around it. A big like uh, grate where he can like walk over and observe and from observe behind, them above, yeah, above like yeah. a terrifying god. Like it is. I, I don't think he even put into account that he walking over it would change the dynamic because uh, normal mice get to walk under a floor. Yeah, and the, they can hear the floor is their you. ceiling. You're taking away their ceiling. You're introducing the concept of God to these mice. I mean, that, that's the thing. These mice would see this, like, you know, intimidating figure above them that's just sitting there observing them at yeah. all times. You know, it's like, I wonder what so, they thought. I mean, that's you unnatural. Del- you get delicious treats. You get food <laughs> and water. And you also get this motherfucker watching you every time you get laid. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah, no, it really is unseemly. Um, so... In the universe, yeah, in universe 25, this was like a 2.7 square meter enclosure. There are four pens, 256 living compartments, uh, 16 burrows with unlimited food and water, uh, climbable walls, food hoppers, um, walk-up one-room apartments. It was like like fucking Disneyland, like a mousetopia, you know? So you would think that these animals would adjust to their surroundings and just start breeding, you know? Um but, and they did. Well, they did kind of in the beginning. For the first 55 days. Yeah. You know, there's the, or they're not even 55. For the first like two or a year, I think it was. They, the, for, they yeah, doubled, the first doubled every 55 days. Every 55 days. And then they get to like day 350 or 315, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm looking at my notes. Sorry, I'm a cheat. Uh, and then the population growth just fucking craters. <laughs> <laughs> what well, was crazy? Like it, it went from, uh, you know, it just started with, you know, several rodents up until it grew to about, yeah, the 315th day, Universe 25 contains 620 mice, even though it was built for a capacity of 3,000. Yeah. But the animals just, uh, yeah, like the, the paradise collapsed in a sense. And that that's the, the weirdest thing about it is why. Oh, man. So what is your, like, what, I'm, I'm curious, what is your perspective on the why? Well, I think part of it is it's the unnatural environment. I mean, you're taking away predation. You're giving them unlimited food. They have no raison debt in a sense. Like, there's no purpose for them to exist anymore. Yeah. Because everything is provided to them. So why strive? Why struggle? And that's what nature is. So, like, a a rat lives two years on average. Yeah. And... Like, so we got to day, it, the population doubled up until, until like 315. Yeah, so essentially, 15. the, popula- so the like early population reached middle age. Yeah. And they've, they're starting to raise previous generations. And like, there's nothing to teach your young. There's no instinctual things. There's nothing, you're not like, you don't have anything to fill your day with. Yeah, there's, you know? there's nothing to pass down. Rats live two years, but those two years, 
three-fourths of a rat's life is just going to get food, shitting somewhere, and finding a new place to get food and shit And somewhere. escaping predators, you know, and, like, having yeah. a survival instinct. I think what went wrong here is rats weren't meant to have free time. <laughs> That's why they, they call did, it the rat race. Yeah, no, you they know? fucking need a... If they do, teach them to read. Give them some paint, you know? <laughs> there is no activity. You know what this fucking... This diagram doesn't have a wheel... Yeah, just, there, just I mean, one fucking well, wheel to climbable run. walls, but yeah, but that that's true. Give them a fucking wheel. Give them like, yeah, like something to take it to take up their time. And it's it's the thing I thought was funny is like when society starts breaking down with the rats, you have uh, babies are like rejected before they're yeah. done nursing. You have uh, well, they, I love that they they made a big point to be like increase in homosexual behavior, like motherfucker. <laughs> Every day is Saturday. Of course, I'm gonna fuck George. You know, like. <laughs> well, that's what the weird. That is the weird thing, though. Like families became dynasties. They they carved out yeah. and held out their best in cage real estate. Um, this led. They you started know, eating their young. They started eating their young. It led so, to a drop in mating. The birth rate fell. Um, I will say to their credit, when you're eating the young, a rat baby looks just like a cinnamon bear. It like they're kind of on on just on face value, they are delicious. They're a little pink and delicious. I mean, that's the thing. I could see that. Um, one third of the rats emerges socially dominant. The other two thirds turned out less socially adept, and so it just kind of led to this decline. And yeah, like you were saying, like they stopped breeding. There were spinster females that retreated to the high up nesting boxes to live alone, far from the family neighborhoods. Uh, there were washed up males who were just useless and weak, uh, kind of like incels in a way. They mm -hmm. gathered in the center of Universe 25 near the food where they yeah. just languished and occasionally attacked each other. You uh, know? Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, essentially they created the ultimate mother's basement. Yeah, that's, that's exactly no, what this turned just, out to be. It's just hot pockets and pornography, you know? You just eat and then look over and watch your friend fuck, and then you're like, I and guess I'm going like hang a, out here. I guess I have nothing else to do. I mean, I don't even care about fucking porn anymore. And then you, you have know? these these fucking incel rat mice make the hyper aggressive female rice that start like chewing on the tails of their babies and shit. Yeah, and then they're just like, I want nothing to do with these fucking incels I, online who are sending me dick pics and, then, and calling me fat. And then the incels, ironically, the non-dominant males start attacking each other. Yeah. So you have the, as far as I'm aware of, the closest to a mouse school shooting that's ever happened. That that's uh, exactly what that would be. Yes. It, it's it. You just have the weakest ones being like, "Fuck you, I am a man," and it <laughs> it, it goes bad for everybody. But then there's like these groups of roving alpha males who became even more aggressive and pugnacious. Like so, they would yeah, just like quarterbacks. Yeah, they would just kind of wander around the universe, just indiscriminately raping other mice, regardless of gender. You know, and the beta males, who were kind of like in between the aggressive alphas and the outcast incels, just grew timid and inert and would just be like, all right, just rape me, you know. Yeah. And then occasionally there would just be bloodbaths just ending in like cannibalistic feasts, you know. I, watching, like, I watched a bunch of little documentaries about this, and the ones that use the unedited photos are... <laughs> it's, it's horrifying. It's fucking insane, because you... <laughs> You have like mice Look running around, like just covered in blood, and you're like, "Oh, is that one dying?" You're like, "No, it's survived." Like, <laughs> just like, it's almost worse to think about like the snake plissken mice who have been through the dystopia, who are just like, "No, I know how to survive this motherfucker." If that's like, the thing. It's have you seen that show? Uh, it's by the what's it, Justin Roiland, creator of um, uh, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty? It's called Solar Opposites. Have you I seen have. that? 
Have yeah. you, do you remember the kind of mouse topia that they have with the humans? <laughs> Were they, they the miniature the humans? Out of candy? <laughs> I was when I was reading this, I was like, God, this kind of seems like that, where you just live in this world of like you can't escape, and you're just like, this is my you know compartment that I live in, and you yeah. just kind of bond with other like outcast uh, people, um, and then every now and then you see these massive aliens staring at you. <laughs> it's kind of it's, similar. It's interesting because like it's like on face value, there's there's a a, a there's a phrase I like, I, I enjoy, and it's like, that's a dumb person's idea of what a smart person is. <laughs> and this experiment has been used so many times by dumb people to explain why you oh, shouldn't yeah. have like social welfare and you shouldn't have like uh, housing, and and housing credits yeah. and overpopulation. And that only works if you're the dudes, if you're the god standing above the mice, you know, like. Yeah. Like, if you did this with human beings, human beings are, we don't just have a two-year lifespan. We don't have, just, our, our entire thing is not fuck shit move, you know? Uh, if you did this with human beings, you're giving them the capacity to create art. You're giving them time to actually nurture their children. Well, that's the thing. We have the intellectual you know? capacity to actually deal with this. We, we're not, our, our concept of, of survival isn't just based on instinct. And the, you know? and the people were like immediately like, no, 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 no. The poorest people are like rats. They're like rats. Yeah. You had Republican senators <laughs> like citing this experiment to like yeah. justify not, you know, uh, engaging in social welfare programs. They were like, they're going to eat. They're going to drink. They're going to sleep. They're going to get fat. They're going to groom <laughs> they're themselves not beautifully. <laughs> and then they're going to be gay. And I'm like, that sounds like amazing. That sounds incredible. So here's a clip from the Mouse Utopia experiment. I had it queued up, but then uh, it sort of took away. But let me, let me see if this is it. The next period lasted about 250 days. Okay, yeah, this is the part where... The population of the mice doubled every 60 days. This was like called this the exploit period. The use of resources became unequal. Although each living unit was identical in structure and opportunities, more food and water was these consumed these in some areas. These are white mice, <laughs> but they paint them different As colors. As the population increased, most mice associated eating and drinking with the presence of others and crowding developed in certain units. I love the theremin soundtrack. Yeah. The third period consisting of 300 days. It is something like right out of Saw, though. Creepy as hell. Um, I think, did you see what they called the good mice? Like, not the good, but like <laughs> what, the alpha what mice? He, well, what he referred to them as, the beautiful they ones? They called them the beautiful ones. Well, that Are was you the... Fu <laughs> you fucking psychopath. Like, I'm sorry. If I was keeping 10, just 10 people, not 600 mice... If I just had 10 people in my basement and I was like, oh, over there, they're doing the sponge bath and combing their hair. That's the beautiful <laughs> one. Someone would have called me out. Well, so by the 560th day, this population increase had ceased completely and the mortality rate was at 100%. And so this started what, uh, what Calhoun called the death phase. In which this whole utopia slid toward extinction. You know, violence, hostility, lack of mating, the younger generation of mice just not even caring about, you know, normal, healthy relations. And that, that's what's even an odd, uh, another odd aspect of this, is he took a group of those beautiful ones, like the mice that, you know, were a younger generation, not the original mice, and put, him, put them in an entirely different environment. 
because they're like, you know, there's fewer mice around. You can do whatever you want. And these mice completely forgot everything. They didn't mm-hmm. even remember how to mate. They didn't even yeah. remember their, their purpose, you know, beyond just eating and shitting. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, yeah, he called these ones the beautiful ones. He also had terms for other names. So the mice that forgot how to mate were the beautiful ones. The rats who crowded around water bottles, he called them the social drinkers. <laughs> <laughs> they were the social ones. And then the, uh, I didn't see that. I'm sorry. That's hilarious. <laughs> the overall societal breakdown, he called it the behavioral sink. Yeah, yeah this- <laughs> behavioral sink is such a, like, if, if you were like, how could I, using just linguistics figure out if a person hits their kids with a belt (laughs) i think it would be the the cannibalistic destruction of a mouse society being called the society (laughs) the behavioral sick behavioral sick like are you fucking they're like oh their behavior sank look that one's using another one's head as a cup (laughs) like but by uh by may of 1970 just two years into the study the last mouse baby was born and the population just did a swan da- dive and it was done. Like everything, everyone, the last resident died 1973. So paradise didn't even last a full decade, not even if half a decade. If you're trying to figure out how that last mouse got hard, great time for our sponsor, Blue Chew. Uh, <laughs> so how did that last, how did that last group of mice find the wherewithal to make a baby? Yeah, that's what I wonder, like, at the very like they, end. Maybe there's just one group, or maybe the ones that were just so disaffected were just, like, cause, you know, cause making them like, fuck. They're describing a broken society. <laughs> just with their soldiers, like, I'll give you a piece of kibble if you do it. Like, how did you know, you know what it probably how, was? It was probably a rape baby. Farm? It was probably a rape baby. 100%. You know? Do you remember, uh, what was the movie, 28 Days? Remember that movie? And 28 uh, Days Later about 20, the zombies? Oh, okay, yeah. 28 Days is where... Uh, Oh, the, that's Sandra that Bullock. cuts his arm off. Oh, no, wait. No, that's a different one. Wasn't there a no, Sandra Bullock movie called 28 Days? 27 Hours is where James Franco cuts his arm off. 28 Days is where Sandra Bullock finds the Goes meaning to of sobriety and love. Okay, okay. 28 Days Later is the zombie movie where Sandra Bullock finds the meaning of sobriety and love. Okay, all right, all right. I always get I always get those ones mixed up. I was like, one has zombies, one has sobriety, one has a bunch of rats raping each other. I always forget about it. Yeah, but but yeah. Uh, in 28 Days Later, the zombie movie in England that had the really scary zombies that just run terrifying. super fast. Like, you know, the, the, those are the most terrifying ones. That movie holds up so fucking well. Yeah. Um, but th- but it was like 28 days, less than a month. And I, I remember the family escaped out of the city and they're in the countryside and they meet these like, I don't know, paramilitary guys. And within like the first day, the one guy's like, yeah, I'm gonna have to rape your 12 year old daughter. And it's like, yeah. dude, it hasn't even been 28 days. It's just like, it's, it's not even a month. And you're society that horny. Society breaks down Yeah, quickly. society breaks down quickly. That's but what happens. Also, like, again, this is a difference between human beings and mice is like, there's no mice that's biding its time for collapse, you know? Well, yeah, like, there's, no, two years. there's no rat who's just like sharpening a knife that's just like, one day when there's no more rules, it's gonna be <laughs> Possum Dave's time. Like that, but there are 100%, like right, there are people right now who are like, I collect zombie hunting gear, and that's not zombie gear. You're just that one motherfucker who's like prepared for the purge today. Oh you yeah, know? no, I mean, I, th- I think like a good portion of uh, Trump supporters they're ready 100%. for it. You know, they are ready for it right now. Stocking up an, on munitions. If, if you're a Trump supporter and you're listening to this, this is not an insult. It will feel <laughs> that way because of the tone of my voice and how smug I am. But uh, they, did you see that story about the Trump boats? The Trump boat oh, parade that, that and all the sunk, boats started? The, the boat sank, yeah. The reason it was physics. Is that it not wasn't, symbolism? 
it doesn't turn out water apparently doesn't have a political bias. It was physics. And the problem is all of these Trump supporters bought the most aggressive fucking boat they possibly could. <laughs> they bought deep sea fishing, not designed for going on the river, hardcore boats that create these intense wakes when they're driven anything over like five miles per hour. And then they did 10 miles an hour and they went full force. And what it is is a bunch of people who need the biggest, most destructive version of everything finding out that if you go too fast, you sink all your friends' boats and you make yourself look right foolish, you know? <laughs> that That's is survival the of the fittest. It's that survival of the fittest is when that person drowns. Yeah. That is, you know, like, <laughs> And that's and that's the problem. It's you are if you are there are people who are instinct there are human beings who are instinctively preparing for war. Oh no, they are ready to go. Yeah, I mean you but, you read about it all the time. And there's one mice, there's one mouse like that, and that one gets killed so quick, you know, because <laughs> the rest of the mice are like, if we kill that one motherfucker, we can go back to being mice. And we could just be, you know, we could just eat, watch porn, do and a little raping. Up. It's amazing about this society. This study to me is that they took mice and they figured out. It, this isn't a this isn't a, a study about how to like how group dynamics over stimulation and the destruction of social individuality creates broken cultures. This is a study about one dude destroying a bunch of mice psychologically. Destroy, exactly, like completely just stripping them of their 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 psychic health. You know, it's I mean, like it's, what if I put you in a mall and you had food every day <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what shall happen but, um, but yeah like his his thing though spaces they don't have burrows they don't have the thing they don't have any natural rat space you know well his research that he published was called death squared the oh, explosive fuck. growth and demise of a mouse population all the documentaries about this were like when he published his research if they went when he published his research death squared <laughs> like, <laughs> and the other thing i was reading a little bit about it but i mean it's very <laughs> academic it's like just academia but he sure. quotes liberally from the book of revelation <laughs> like throughout the whole thing like oh. to kill with a sword and with famine by wild beasts <laughs> it's like there was, dude he he quoted like revelation like 20 <laughs> which is oh fuck i want to find the exact bible verse because it was but uh, but where? as you were saying, it's like when he published his results, you had like these Republican senators seizing on this, talking about like how, you know, urban expansion is seeing all the, you know, it's going to cause overpopulation. And this is the result if the human race doesn't have enough jobs and, and can't, you know, and, uh, and can't find, uh, you know, d doesn't have any hope for survival. This yeah, is what's going to happen. He, he, he referred to the societal breakdown as second death. Second death. Second death is a reference to Revelation 2.11. My dad is a Baptist minister. Dad, don't listen to this fucking podcast. <laughs> uh, but Revelation 2.11, uh, that's why this fucked with me so bad. It says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. <laughs> that is so much creepier in the context of a guy who is like, I don't know, cuck my style. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's very disturbing when, you know, when he puts it that way. Like um, it's, he, he's using the Bible to essentially be like, I don't know, some of these mice are bitches. What do you want? Well, he <laughs> like, was saying, you know, men and mice are vulnerable to two types of death, death of the spirit, death of the body. And he mm -hmm. was making sure these, these mice in this experiment had died both deaths. 
you know? And, and that's like, I would, I would genuinely love, because I hate mice, for someone to recreate this experiment. Uh, but give them actual, give them homes, give them individual spaces, give them burrows. You know, when I think one of the huge, the aspects of this that actually does tie in to humanity is we dehumanize people the way that these mice were your dehumanized. Like mice need burrows, mice need individual spaces. They need safe places to sleep. And when you're sleeping in like a huge communal area, that's unnatural. Um, well, he did have some compartments there. I mean, that, sort of. Yeah. But, but like you learned quickly that if you abandon, like from what I got from the, the thing is like you would have sleeping compartments, but eventually because of the overpopulation issues and the lack of like individualized space, people started to like sleep and hoard around the, the, feeding like the food supplies and the water. Because they were, like that. Yeah. Even if, even if there was no scarcity, the population growth, biologically gave them like the or not biologically instinctively gave them the illusion of scarcity and i think it's like it's something we're kind of fighting in america right now where you have people who are like i have to hoard resources because what happens when everything's gone and it's yeah. like well it's only a problem right now because you're hoarding resources well um, you also look about something like this too it's like you think can you develop in a person like right now i mean everyone's working remotely there are yeah. people who just like you have like i have no interpersonal contact anymore yeah. i'm just in my home you know with this remote existence so what happens like do you is everything going to be awkward now you know when i go back into an office environment and have to be communal oh man i yeah i mean i <laughs> fuck i i i'm i am uniquely like i i i am uniquely designed for the apocalypse i have worked at home for 10 years by myself. Um, yeah, see, that's... My wife works until 10 or 11 every night. I do comedy. Everything I do is isolated. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I'm i going fucking crazy. And, like, I was talking to a friend, like, yesterday, and I was like, hey, I'm really sorry I don't check in more. And she said, like, something kind of genuinely beautiful that actually made me, like, realize where we're at and... She just is like, I think you can only so many times you can directly talk to people without it getting depressing because because <laughs> you can't how, see them. Yeah, it's because of what the world yeah. is right now. It's all yeah. repetitive. And she said, I'm really thankful for Instagram because I feel like I get to see my friends without needing to stare at them into the distance with them. But at least I know that they're like alive and OK. And like <laughs> and I think that there is an element of that, that like right now, humanity, we are all trapped yeah. Very much like I like my groceries are delivered every week. I know how to get like I'm I'm working still. I know how how to su supply my food and shit, but my socialization needs are barely getting met. But, it, but if you think about it though, I have, mean, we have social media. We have yeah. the, we have these things that allow us the, the illusion of society. These mice get nothing. <laughs> well, the, but that's the thing though. Like kind of what, along the lines of what you're saying, it's like once a lot of these jobs are replaced by technology. And people don't have to function, interact with each other. You know, no one really needs to work. It's like, <laughs> what's the point of existence anymore? Art. Yeah, I mean, art, which, I, which is, I think, an, an, a uniquely human thing because we're yeah. able to do that. You know, we have the intellectual oh, capacity. But if you're a mouse, you're just going to start raping and eating each other. Well, that's the thing, though. Mice do have, like, in, in nature... Mice have things to do. They have like the problem. Yeah. It, the problem with building a burrow and giving them unlimited food is maintaining a burrow is part of what a mouse does with its day. You know, like you're you're taking away 
all of the things it does to burn the fat that it, or burn the, the calories it's getting. You're taking away all of the survival things that keep it sharp. You're just boiling it down <laughs> to its most, like literally, you're boiling just it down to its basic, most base needs. Yeah, base needs, exactly. So and there is no like, no point of existence at that point. Yeah, like, I, like personally, I think one of the worst things that's happened to polite culture, human culture, in the last 10 years is downloadable video games. <laughs> okay, like you don't have to go to fucking GameStop anymore. No, you don't have yeah. to even fucking pretend to be a person to have a hobby. Yeah, like you can you can literally stay inside, and as long as you have some form of financial, you know, money, Decent Wi-Fi connection. If you if you if you have Wi-Fi and cash, you never have to leave your home. Your video games downloaded to your shit. Your conversations, you can literally you can literally just scream at people on Twitch. You have yeah. we've. There, your food delivered people. to you yeah i yeah. mean like i i i have to every like i have a, a co-op thing because it's cheaper to get fresh vegetables and shit but i even i make a point to go out and still do some basic shopping as a fucking human being because i know how fucking weird i got with a wife well, that, <laughs> exactly but, th but see the thing is we can't forget how to just basically survive we don't want to be the beautiful ones you know, <laughs> we already are, man. America right now is the beautiful ones. Yeah. We are the sleek, healthy coats, and we say we have an absence of scars. But I think if you look at our males, oh no, uh, those, those, <laughs> those scars are all internal. Believe me. So in 1986, uh, Dr. John Bumpass Calhoun was forced to retire from NIM, and nine years later he died. Um, but you know, in his, I think Natural his experiment. Uh, oh, I don't know if he was eaten by rats. I don't know if he fell into one of his mouse utopias and was like unable to get up and eaten alive. I'm not sure. That would be ironic. I would deeply love if they were like, he was found eaten by rats. No one saw it coming. <laughs> <laughs> but so one person, who I, I briefly mentioned this before, who did pay a lot of attention to his optimistic experiments other than opportunistic uh, Republican senators was a writer named Robert C. O'Brien. Um, he wrote a book called Miss Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, which is a story about rats who escape from a lab full of blundering humans attempting to build their own utopia. Um, and so they, there was a movie that was made out of the book or based on the book mm -hmm. called The Secret of Nim, which uh, apparently he was going to call it just Mr. Fris or Mrs. Frisbee, Miss Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, but he had to change it because Frisbee was too close to Frisbee. So her name in the movie was Brisbee. I don't know if you noticed it's that. Just it's so much funnier that they were like, I don't know. I think the better name would be The Secrets of the National Institute of Mental Health. <laughs> so, yeah, the movie is called Secret of Nim. came out in 1982. 80, yeah, 82. Yeah. An animated dark fantasy adventure film, who was at, which was actually the directorial debut of uh, Don Bluth, who um, yes. did Land Before Time. He did All Dogs Go to Heaven. And you know what I was reading about Bluth? I didn't even know he did this. That guy directed the 1980s video game Dragon's Lair. Hell yeah, he did. Do you remember that? Oh, fuck yeah, I remember that, Dragon's that, Lair. How much money did you fucking waste on that game? Uh, I <laughs> was a very enterprising young boy, and I asked someone who worked there uh, how they beat it, and he was like, oh, I did this, and he opened it up and gave me a bunch of free uh, credits. Oh, and just showed you how to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I... He knew me from church, and uh, he gave me like I probably like twenty dollars worth of free quarters uh, to get through Dragon Slayer, which got me I think through five minutes of the game. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's if, the thing. It's like you know you play the quarter is about maybe twenty seconds of gameplay. 
if you're listening, you can Dragon Slayer has actually been remastered and re-released Has on it? almost everything. You can play it on the Switch, you can play it on your phone. Uh, I didn't go even know play that. it is it's like five bucks. It's totally worth playing. The animation is fucking stunning. Like it is oh, yeah. beautiful. That's such a such a cool game. I mean at the time everyone was obsessed with it, but we didn't even have enough money to get past the first like minute. God. Um but yeah, it's great brutal. game. Yeah, but anyway, so uh, so yeah, the movie Secret and Dim came out in 1982. It was an animated dark fantasy adventure film. It was actually, I mean, I loved it as a kid, and it, it was very violent. I mean, it sort mm-hmm. of you know showed like you know, there was a an evil rat I think named Jenner that was like killing the old rats. I mean, like a lot of movies at the time, like Dark Crystal, very violent. Yeah. Um, Plague dogs. Play, yeah, you know, I mean that that was kind of a theme. But now, I was reading about this. On March 4th, 2015, Deadline Hollywood reported that MGM reacquired the rights to produce a new CG film based on the novel Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats and Them. And it's coming out by the guy, the, the guy that did Ice Age. And uh, it's planned as like a CGI live action hybrid of the Smurfs and Alvin and the Chipmunks. And so the whole story I... here, instead of being this dark fantasy adventure film based on this like you know, dystopic mouse experiment that happened in the 60s. It's going to be an origin story in which an imperiled mouse protagonist befriends a comical crew of lab rats as they turn hyper-intelligent. They escape their laboratory and become the great minds of vermin civilization. I... (laughs) I don't believe in acts of violence. I want to be very clear. But if someone gave me a freebie on a mass shooting, just a freebie... I might stop this movie. Uh, uh, you know, and I fully support that. It's the uh, Russo I, I, brothers. I would be, I would be very clear. Game. I know there's a bunch of things wrong in the world right now, and I'm being selfish, but there should not be a whimsical fart joke laden <laughs> secret of him. On the other hand, I, can you imagine how betrayed the kids who grow up watching it will feel when they Google it? Oh, and go, <laughs> find out what it's Institute based on <laughs> yeah when they finally find out what it's based on they're going to be like completely disillusioned there's hate a, their there's parents old, there's an old Patton Oswalt joke about how if you try to write it make a joke clean for TV it becomes worse <laughs> where he's like it's it's better to say come inside you than I'm going to fill your hoo-ha with goof juice and <laughs> that's pretty much what's happening with this movie I, I feel like that is 100% the case of trying to church up the secret of Nem. Like, there's no, there's no cuddly good version. Of, the only way this would be good is if they did like a hard PG thirteen version. I could see you that. See, like, yeah, we're like the, you get to watch the. I mean, like have the, Tim Burton direct it or something. Like, you know, I know they change it from the the movie, but the book ends with like mice willfully gassing themselves because they won't believe if they don't find some dead bodies in a hole. Like it is a, it is <laughs> it's bleak. very dark. It is bleak. It is, it, 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 it's it is the painted bird of children's literature. It is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> Great book, but uh, oh, it, it, it fills no, my heart that you know that one. <laughs> oh, it's an amazing book, amazing book. I read like, actually. Is, I read they're doing a movie with Harvey Keitel. They are. It's gonna yeah. be the worst. Uh, oh yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, is that gonna be a live CGI, you know, version yes. with like Smurfs? Harvey Keitel little... is gonna be playing an anthropomorphic. Uh, <laughs> Rabbit trying to figure out why uh, a post-World War <laughs> landscape is so full of death and corpses. Anyway, people, go check out uh, Universe 25 <laughs> on that note. 
Um, check out Universe 25. You can actually see a whole documentary on it. It's fascinating. And thank you, Tom, for sending in that topic. Uh, people, Thanks, this Tom. is episode 756 here Sick and Wrong. We have some news stories coming up next. We have some phone calls a little later in the show. But first, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hey, guys, it's Steven again. Just calling from Evan through a miracle of cybernetic processes. Just to say, thanks for creating your Patreon page. I love to kick back and smoke a fat one with my boy Carl Sagan. While we listen to the extra phone calls and stories we get all the time. Anyway, talk soon. Love you. Bye. So the first story we have here uh, is about a sick, a rather sick, nursery worker who sat on babies and then sent clips, video clips, to this fetish fiend she met on Facebook for cash. So Jesus. it's kind of like smothering porn in a sense. But this what? is a little bit different, though, because it involves infants. I want to be optimistic. <laughs> Good luck. Where did she sit on the baby? Where do you think? Like we we talking feet? Oh no! Did she sit on the face, a juicy <laughs> middle? So the uh, I'm gonna get to that in a minute. But the guy, so at first she just kind of sat on top of the bodies of the children. But the guy yeah. was like, "No, you gotta sit on their heads." Talk about a workaround for <laughs> that guy's like, "Excuse me, I'm not into child pornography. I'm into child smothering." <laughs> I'm not one of those freaks. The freaks into child porn. So this nursery worker here, a nursery worker filmed herself sitting on two babies, sent the footage to an RAF serviceman. This guy was in the Royal Air Force. Jesus. um, Who paid for these clips. Uh, The guy's name is Andrew Kerr. Uh, He pled guilty to possessing child abuse images, but not CP. As you mentioned, he's not that sick. He he had a fetish. (laughs) You hate what? I hate the specificity of the law. <laughs> there's, there's like, there's like, someone's just like so pedantic. They're like, excuse me. I think you mean child abuse <laughs> images. Well, That's this is just, also English law. Like, like it's different if it's a picture of a kid taking a strong right hand. Like it's, fuck- <laughs> it's still fucking used for a sexual purpose, you know? Um, so this guy, Andrew Kerr, had a fetish for women sitting on babies. And he recruit, recruited a 28-year-old woman named Gemma McPhee to carry out these perverted fantasies. Where the hell does this fetish come from? Like, I've heard of a smothering fetish. Like, you know the, uh, the artist Namio Harukawa? Har- Harukawa. He's, uh, he does a lot of videos. I'm sure you've seen of voluptuous women just sitting on subservient men. Typically, I, didn't, I didn't know he made them, but yeah, I've seen such videos. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like you'll see a woman just with like a thick booty, just like s- yeah. sitting on a guy's head who's just neck is snapped back. Mm-hmm. Like, so most of the smothering fetish porns I've usually heard involves men being smothered by curvaceous women. Where yeah. does it get to the point where you're like, no, I want to see a woman just smothering babies? Like, that's yeah, what I, gets me off. I think one of the things that people forget about art is this is art? That- <laughs> All bad art comes from someone trying to be original. And if you want to look at this as half full, we could just be looking at a visual artist who doesn't have the follow through of his own dreams, who made this poor woman commit willful murder, 
did the babies live? The babies live, though. Yeah. Oh, fuck I yeah. Hey. Yeah, so there, there wasn't murder here, all right? God, I feel like everyone just let out a breath. We didn't know we were holding. <laughs> I so was saving live. that for the end, but yeah. The babies, uh, traumatic, I mean, trauma existed, but, uh, but yeah, they, they, they did like... I mean... Well, I'm assuming they probably have flat heads. Aren't they? Aren't the babies? Aren't your skulls malleable? You yeah, know, but aren't your like, skulls kind of malleable at that age? I, I don't know if he had a specific uh, fetish for like soft-headed babies, but <laughs> I want to believe that she did her best and was like, which which one of these babies have the skull scolular the 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 skeletal structure to withhold my giant badonkadonk ass. <laughs> I don't think she was that discriminating. I think she was just like, here's one, sits on it. So I these babies... If you're sitting on a baby, I would hope you would at least <laughs> pick the best one. Well, I wonder if this guy was like, let me see the babies. Are right, you guys sit on that one. Oh, yeah. Sit on that <laughs> like, one right hey, there. I don't like brunettes. <laughs> <laughs> that one's got green eyes. Sit on that one. <laughs> Uh, so these babies are only 16 months old. So they're Jesus. like a year and a few months. And uh, she sat yeah, on the bodies. Yeah, she sat on the bodies of children and the head on two of them until they became extremely distressed, crying and trying to escape from underneath her badonkadonk. Um, so this woman here, she's a former nursery assistant. This is in, uh, in Scotland. Does um, she have a big ass? You know, that's that's the question. I was trying to look up pictures of her, and it's just usually just from her uh, waist up. So I don't, I don't know if she that's, has, like, a thick booty. That's unfair. I feel like that, because, like, you always show you the weapon. Well, yeah, exactly. In, Although, in what would be worse, a bony ass sitting on your skull or a thick booty? You got to remember, these babies have the object permanence of a potato. So, mm, that's true. like, all they see is a big thing coming towards them. I personally... If if someone's gonna sit on my head as a baby, I want a big fat. But I I want I a big want, fat booty. Yeah. I don't want to get. I don't want your your tailbone to go into my forehead like a lobotomized <laughs> spike. You know. So she carried out these sick acts to pay for a holiday. That's and, and the court actually ended up showing her mercy because they feel she was naive and she was manipulated and exploited. Did she go on the holiday? Well, probably not now. Um, I, mean, I would, I would they... say she's very dim. No, she did end up going on the holiday. She did? Because... Where did she go? No, she didn't. She oh. didn't end up going on the holiday because I think tragedy. she was arrested before. Yeah, exactly. That's the tragedy. Um, I wonder where ever... she was going. You ever work to pay off a holiday and then, like, not get to go? <laughs> well, I, be, I guess and I've never worked in this baby. capacity. Yeah. And I've never worked in this capacity. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I guess maybe that is the tragedy is this dim woman was uh, manipulating the sitting on babies and she didn't even get to go to Ibiza, you know? It's just <laughs> not fair. Um, so this is, the, this is what I find kind of odd about. So this guy, Andrew Kerr, he approached this woman, Gemma, through Facebook. What do you think this approach was? Like, how do you approach someone to do this? Hey, lady. I noticed you've got a large bottom that looks like it wouldn't immediately crush the heads of several small babies like cantaloupes. <laughs> Which is convenient because that's what I'm into. Do you, you know, know any strong babies with self? <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> How thick are you? Jeez. Yeah, it's like, do you have any access to infants? Um, so, yeah, she was shown mercy. And this is typical UK law. Like, we do a lot of stories in the UK. And it's like you'll hear people like will be committing just like horrific acts of murder and they get like five years. You know, this woman, she got 200 hours of community service. 
Although, she, at least she's banned from having any contact with any child under 17, which wait. is probably for the best. Wait, 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 wait. She sat on two babies' fucking heads and got 200 hours of community service? More than two babies. She sat on, like, several babies. Only she two, on, two on, their, a, on their heads. A grip of babies. A grip of babies, yes. And got 200 hours community service? That's it. 200 hours of community service. She's placed on under, under social work supervision, banned from having any contact with children under 17. Dear listeners, I want you guys to know these babies didn't have any brain damage. <laughs> oh, we hope. All of um, these babies. No, 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 no. There's no way. If even one of these babies was blinking twice, they would. <laughs> 200 well, out, unless the British just this don't is give British, a fuck This is the British judicial system. It's completely yeah. different than ours. Like here, she would have gotten some time. Yeah. At least like two years, you know? Easily. I mean, for child abuse, like, you would get time like this if you were doing it to a puppy, you know? You're sitting on a baby. <laughs> yeah, sitting on a baby's head. Could you imagine? Like, why isn't QAnon trying to stop this? I 100% believe that this woman has cakes for days. If, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, there's no way a skinny ass woman with a pointy ass sat on these babies and then a cop looked at that baby and went, yeah, that baby's fine. This is a big, beautiful woman with cakes for days. She is a giant BBW. That's what I'm picturing. She, she sat down and then you could, I think the evidence was they looked at her ass and then there was still the impression of a baby smiling face in her ass. <laughs> so McPhee here, Gemma McPhee is a mother of two. So she has two. She has children. Very flat headed children. They're like, their heads are just very flat, like mushed in kind of like a pug. Wait, um, she for, I thought she was in it for money. I didn't know she was in it for love of the game. Um, so the mother of two of Angus, Scotland, which is a very interesting named city. Uh, she pled guilty to assaulting multiple babies, several boys and a girl um, uh, uh, who will not be identified. I don't even mention the names here. Um, she pled guilty and, uh, and Kerr, the, uh, the, the guy who manipulated her, he also pled guilty to inciting McPhee to commit these offenses. Um, and so this guy, he, um, he's also, he's also accused of inciting a, trying to incite another woman to assault a child, but not by sitting on the child, by standing on the child. So he's like already getting worse. Like his fetish yeah. is getting even worse. Like what's next? Like, you know, putting a TV on the kid. Like, I wonder where it goes from there. Honestly, most kids would prefer a TV to someone standing on them. <laughs> Yeah, you think that might be better. TV, it's a big block. Someone's standing on you. That's just two puncture wounds. <laughs> the judge, for a baby. The judge said, although she committed assaults against these young children, it's clear she did not intend to harm or physically hurt the kids. Uh, they, they feel that uh, because of her naivety in response to the suggestion and the fact of her relative youth, that uh, that there's these are mitigating circumstances, dude. This this chick is 28 years old. That's old enough to know that smothering babies for money is not normal. You know, <laughs> it's like it's not normal. Um, you say that. Yeah. Have you ever done it? No, I guess not. I've never you actually know? tried to pay someone. Always a fucking either. Monday night quarterback trying to tell <laughs> other people how to smother a baby. 
<laughs> the judge says it accepted that there is no actual danger to the lives of the, of the children. Had the assaults continued, then their lives would have been in danger, but they did not. So I'm thinking you're right in your, uh, your suggestion here that she must be very thick. Because if she was bony, I think there might have been a danger. Um, 100%. Yeah. So uh, she was 25, unemployed at the time. Uh, she cried as they played. They actually played the video clips of her sitting on the babies in court. And she cried. Um, they also read messages from Kerr who said, this is what he told her. You can do it on the floor, but it's usually easier to start out on the bed or the sofa. That way you can lean in and apply your full weight. <laughs> this guy's like totally monitoring it. Like he's like, you know, he, he's sitting there, you know, like telling her like, all right, all right, lean in full weight or I'm not paying you the full amount. If you don't stomp that baby like a Mario <laughs> mushroom. He then said that uh, he was getting bored of her just smothering the babies like sitting on them. So he's like, I need you to sit on their heads. Um, <laughs> have you ever just like I, I don't know man like quarantine's hard for everybody but have you ever just tried getting a prostitute like or, or there's just something. I'm sure there's, there's there's intimacy I feel like that and I would be 100% clear sex workers do not deserve to deal with people who have a smothering baby fetish but at bare minimum like go on a date man there's gotta be something have you tried have you tried getting to my buddy <laughs> what what I want to know is how much money was being how much money was being passed you know back and yeah. forth here. You could you know you could pay someone twenty bucks to record the screams of a child, put that tape in a Teddy Ruxpin, and just play <laughs> a Teddy Ruxpin just and yeah. then sit on the on the baby. Yeah, you know, you can sit on the Ruxpin. I just yeah, I, I I don't know, man. I mean, I, it, part of it is because I'm a pervert. Part of it, I'm like I've been, I, I I've read a lot of erotica since I was a kid. I understand what it's like to have fantasies that you're like, oh, I wish I could make it real. But like, sometimes the fantasy is enough, man. Like, you know, exactly. like when I'm masturbating, I don't load the gun. I just dry fire it at my head. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's about building up to a dream. And you're typically not watching baby smothering videos, you know? No, no, no. When I'm doing yeah. it, it's just about the Russian roulette fantasy. <laughs> so um, at one stage uh, she was asked to make another video and McPhee said, you know, I'll do it. I'm due a holiday. So let's see if I can make as much money as possible. And in another conversation, um, McPhee was saying that the baby really, really didn't like that last video. You know, I'm going to have to stop and give him a little breather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, if you, if, uh, brilliant joke, even if you didn't mean it. <laughs> um, the, one of the clips showed her kneeling in front of one of the babies and just thrusting her buttocks backwards towards the child, um, while another photograph just showed her just sitting on the baby's head. And so in the beginning, this is the funny part, in all the videos, in the beginning, the child appears to be laughing and giggling, having a good time. But as her body weight increases, they become extremely distressed, crying out and attempting to escape from underneath her. And that's when you have the orgasm. That's how it works. <laughs> in case you're wondering. <laughs> oh, man. Imagine, imagine the worst part is like... If he originally paid her during No Nut November, it's all for nothing, you know? <laughs> Just be a waste of money. Yeah. Um, but you know what? That's the thing. It's like, it's, you know, babies, babies scare the shit out of me. I don't even like, I don't like going near Same. them. I don't like touching them. I don't like holding them because I'm so nervous about dropping this kid, you know? And then now it's like fucking retarded for life and it's my fault. Yeah. 
you know, so I, I have like this, I'll just, you know, stand near one, but I'm not going to go any, you know, I'm not going to go within three feet. So I couldn't imagine being like, yeah, I want to see you sit on this child's head. And then this woman who's a nursery worker is like, oh, you know, I kind of want to go on holiday. Why not? <laughs> uh, but because the kids did not suffer any physical damage from the assaults, um, I think that's why they gave her like just the 200 hours. And she fully cooperated with police and gave all the evidence against this, uh, this guy, the sex pest. Yes. So, uh, so there you go. They didn't really specify what the sex pest Andrew Kerr ended up getting, but I'm assuming, well, I'm hoping it's over 200 hours of community service. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's going to be working at a local daycare. And, yeah. uh... <laughs> That's where his community service is. <laughs> I, I would like to see, though, how he's going to explain what he's in prison for to his cellmate. Well, I got this thing, you know, <laughs> it's this thing that uh, that I gives just, me an erection. <laughs> I think he's going to be playing the the cutest game of like 20 questions forever. So. Do you touch a kid? I absolutely did not touch a child. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> did you sexually abuse a kid? Do you have a stepping on kink? <laughs> anyway, Jeez. moving on here. It's dark. Um, yeah. Oh, this next story is much more pleasant. Uh, <laughs> second story we have you. here is a man who allegedly shot his wife dead over an argument about not having enough sex, then opened fire on his neighbors. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, hey, here you go. What were you saying about you You, you don't want to listen to evil anymore? <laughs> I, see, here's the thing. That, to me, is, I mean, like, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm i married. I've been with the same woman for 18 years, you know? Uh, we've been married 10. We dated for a very long time. And uh, That's a long time. I understand what it's like to want to get a gun and shoot the ceiling a couple times when you're like, nah, it is my time of the month. And... <laughs> Uh, time of the month is when I get, call it when we have sex. But uh, <laughs> I, I cannot. I've never been so mad at one woman that I shot the neighbors. Well, my my question about or you shot your wife. My question Did about you shoot this the wife is first and then you, shoot the neighbors and then he shot the neighbors. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but did they knock? What the fuck? <laughs> my question about this did is he have a uh, soliciting sign. Yeah, maybe he should have keep off the grass. Um. He's so he, John, Jason message message or something. Forty years old. He's from Minnesota. He's accused of fatally shooting his wife during an argument about not having sex, and then opening fires fire on his neighbors, putting a twelve year old, twelve year old girl in critical condition, critical condition, and seriously in, injuring her adult sister as well. Jesus Terrible Christ! Man. I hope the cops killed him a bunch of times. Well, we'll see about that. So uh, this guy Jason here, forty years old. He got into an argument with his wife about the amount of sex that they were having. And so I was thinking about this. This guy's 48, middle-aged yeah. man. How much sex are you expecting at that point? I feel like if you're 46, you're middle-aged, and you're married, that's a combination, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what happened is he he, he spent some money uh, with our sponsor, Blue Chew. I Just kidding. But <laughs> he had – I think what happened, honestly, is he took a pill – and he was like, I'm ready for action. And she was like, not tonight, honey. And then he had four hours of blood flow to get mad. You know? Oh, like he, and you think that's what it was. Like, he was that, ready. He's got this, uh, he's got like a hard on, a bone or whatever. Yeah, and from I, I clear, and, yeah, I'm not humanizing this man. As any, <laughs> any married man knows, you do not take a boner pill 
before you know the deal is closed. Exactly. I think you, you have to have some surety pill. there, you know? Yeah, you take you take the boner pill and then you just do foreplay until science does what foreplay used to. You don't, <laughs> you know? And this this dumb son of a bitch is like, no, I used one of, I used one of my five pill allotment for the month. And then she's like, no, I'm not in the mood, especially because like I mean, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I hate to assume things about people, but if you're shooting a woman because she won't have sex with you, you're probably fucking bad at sex anyway. Yeah, exactly. I think you there's know, definitely like, some other issues going on here. But my old, like my old question is, though, if you're not having sex, do you think arguing about it will lead to sex? Because I don't think that's the best approach. I mean, oh man, that's, that's a dark question. Like I, berating the woman? Not <laughs> it's like berating. I don't think it's gonna okay. work. I've never I've never berated my partner into having sex. I have been like, you know, like I could use it. Like I, I Oh, so you, you try to rationalize the need. Yeah, I've I've debated my way into sex, but I've never <laughs> never argued my way into sex. You're not gonna be it's like, like a prosecutor dumb. and a defense attorney just kind of going at it. So just making a negotiation. Agree, it's been a week. Uh, I, I put on I put on Mariah Carey's fantasy. We watched Love Actually. I need a little me time, you know. <laughs> You're like I, I put my effort in. Yeah, I've I've had a work cited page before where I was like, uh, as you can see. But I've never you. Look, fellas, if you're here uh, and you're and you're like, I think I can argue my way into sex. You are never going to argue your way into sex. You're I just don't think it's going to work. You're going to argue if you have sex from after an argument, unless it is the kind of sex where you, you go, I'm wrong. And all of a sudden she's super hot, like turned on, which exists and <laughs> which, is beautiful. That does happen. Yeah, totally. Because that that's called makeup sex. But for makeup sex, you got to make up. If you have sex after you've been screaming and yelling, maybe have a conversation about whether or not you had sex. Or, or maybe look at like, let's just kind of like re-examine this relationship you know? yeah, <laughs> I think there's an issue here here's the thing it's, I, I have to be very careful with my language to not sound like I'm promoting something terrible there is <laughs> manipulative sex is when you bring home roses on a day where you had no reason to pass a flower shop yeah and that's fine coercive well, sex is when problem. you scream until they consent that's not fine you have to find the middle ground. And more important, you're not going to have good sex if you've been yelling. No, if it's not going to work. No one has ever had a satisfying sexual experience after they said, let me get my gun. <laughs> Except or, for me. you better suck my <laughs> cock. Yeah. You know, if, if, once you start arguing, it's not going to go well. And this guy, you know, this argument intensified. It even went up to, like, the next level. And so Jesus. he admitted to police officers that he, quote, probably went inside and got his gun and then he pointed the gun in his wife's face and he quote probably emptied the chamber into her oh man i'm sorry like there is i I hate to make this about beta males but there is there is an epidemic of soft men in america if you have shot your wife because you didn't get to have sex you own that shit you don't go I probably went inside. I may or may not probably <laughs> this got the could have happened. Oh, I'm not sure. Shit. It's Just like, dude, own... come on. Just be like, yeah, the bitch wouldn't suck my dick, so I shot her in the face seven times. Like that's I, I wouldn't say it that way, but <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but I mean, at that point, you're you, you're going to you're going to the chair. I mean, just, well, maybe not Minnesota, but just, I don't think uh, like, we've it's like Jeffrey yet. Dahmer being like, "What? Am I guilty of seasoning too much?" Like, <laughs> yes, that, that's literally not what we had a problem with. I uh, probably stuck my penis in that eye socket. I don't remember if that actually happened. Oh my god, he was. <laughs> Actually, what's funny about him being wishy-washy when the cops got there is what happened before the cops got there. Yeah. So tell, tell him what happened when you, because he probably after another adventure. Yeah, exactly. So this guy uh, unloaded his, uh, his his weapon into his wife. Her dead body was later recovered with numerous gunshot wounds in her neck and all over her upper body. So meanwhile, while this was happening, you got this argument of the lack of sex, the murder of the wife. Several of his neighbors, who are black, were outside moving items into a U-Haul truck. Don't blame them for moving. I would have left this neighbor a long time ago because he sounds like a dick. Yeah. Um, Mildred Salter and her 29-year-old daughter, Kanisha, were carrying items while uh, Salter's 12-year-old daughter, Michaela, was holding her infant niece. Message apparently exited his, uh, his home and just started opening fire. Uh, the 12-year-old turned to shield the infant with her body, and she was shot in the head, oh. while the 29-year-old daughter was shot multiple times in the legs. Oh. Um, he then went to shoot the other Wait, woman. The, the infant was shot in the head from behind? No, uh, she was shielded by the 12-year-old, so the infant actually oh, survived. Oh, the 12-year-old got shot in the head. Oh, yeah. fuck. Shielding this child. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, message then went to shoot at Salter, who ran inside the U-Haul. And then he continued firing at, at the woman after she took cover, but she actually somehow escaped uninjured. Uh, both sisters were rushed to the hospital. The 12-year-old's in critical condition with a you know, bullet wound to the head. And th- here is racist Terminator, you know, <laughs> <laughs> goes back in his house. And when the deputies were like, why would you shoot a 12-year-old child? He told deputies that, quote, he hated all children, you know, and that the family were not good neighbors. You know, I... come on, man. I, I'm not especially fond of kids either, but I don't think they should be massacred. Yeah. You know, ignored. I, I, I massacred. I, 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 here, you know, look. Oh, we've all had a shitty neighbor before. Oh, yeah. But when you're the one committing the noise violation, you don't get to complain about the quality of your neighbors. You just don't. <laughs> You know, well, when like, you, when I don't you're care how loud screaming at your wife is, for not getting you, laid. Yeah, first off, they had to listen to you scream about what a bad fuck you are. Now, and then they have to listen to you loudly fire a gun. I don't know if you. I mean, like you, you used no, to it's live loud. Off, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Like you, you, you lived in SF. You know what a gunshot sounds like. It's a, it's a disturbance to the neighborhood. Oh yeah, no, I mean, Jesus, <laughs> and this guy, fucking, yeah, and this guy fired like an entire like cartridge into his wife. So anyway, you know, oh. obviously someone called 911. Authorities arrived on the scene. And next and uh, the next thing that happened was like an hours long standoff with this guy who allegedly fired 40 rounds at that time. Deputies ended up uh, tear gassing entering the house and they found him in the basement screaming, throwing items and just discharging multiple firearms. But somehow he was arrested without harm. And charged with three counts of second degree murder. So Jesus. note, police Wait. did not shoot him. They did not take him down with violence. This guy just murdered his wife, shot several kids, and was having an episode where he was screaming and discharging firearms. But these Minnesota police 
did not shoot this white man and they managed to arrest him without harm. Let's compare this to another recent Minnesota arrest involving a man named George Floyd. Jesus fucking... Yeah. He was like George was committing a completely and totally nonviolent offense. Allegedly, he used and a also, counterfeit bill at a store. I've used a counterfeit <laughs> bill at a store before. You know why I used it? Because I don't hasn't? check my goddamn money. Yeah. You know, who you knows? Know? Maybe you got this bill from fucking Taco Bell. And I don't know you a know? single. I don't know a single. Per, per, first off, I don't know anyone. I don't, I don't. I've never encountered a counterfeit bill. If I have, uh, maybe. You know, but how would you know? Yeah, who? None of us are trained. I went to public school. God damn it! I don't even know math. No one taught me how to count, like sniff out a counterfeit but, bill. Exactly. It's like I'm not sitting here, like you know, putting it under a fucking black light to try to find out if I can see like the markings. I, it's like I got this bill, you know, and I'm going to spend it. It, it you know, and, and George Floyd. I mean, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. You know, yeah. I don't know if he was found with like a counterfeit bill operation. From what no, I've read, he was found with a counterfeit bill and they came and arrested him by his SUV. Next thing you know, they're crushing his throat. Yeah. So I just want to point this out to people who have difficulty comprehending what comprehending why Black Lives Matter protests are happening across this country. Mm-hmm. It's like here you have a guy who murdered his wife and shot innocent children and that was discharging firearms and screaming in his basement white man injured unharmed like if you're a cop and you spend your entire career being like one of these days i get to be serpico <laughs> that's the dude you fucking oh, shoot fuck yeah you got, you got a kid and a wife the two most beloved people in society you're allowed to execute that guy. i mean i personally don't believe the cop should execute but if you're looking for the benefit of the doubt as a cop and you want to fire your gun? You fucking execute that motherfucker. Well, that's what my, but my the cops. But the I, cops don't exist to like commit justice. The cops don't exist to defend anything. They commit. The cops only exist to defend capitalistic systems and to keep poor people down. There's literally exactly. nothing and, else and, that they and, do. And, Exactly. And that's why we need these protests. And the thing is, George Floyd, it's not like George Floyd, when they came to arrest him, was just shooting his gun in the air and menacing and screaming and and breaking things. No, (laughs) the guy like complied. And then next thing you know, they're like crushing his his trachea. It's like it blows my mind. How many times I have like when I was a kid in Tennessee was I was kind of a wild ass. There were a handful of times I got put in the back of a car. Thankfully, never arrested. But like. Every time I got put in the back of the car, it was because I was popping off, shouting some wild shit in the face of a cop. And the worst I ever got was, like, put in a car roughly. I was never punched, never, like, tear gas, never. Never shot? If there was ever a single person who deserved to have their ass beat by the cops, it was me at 17. (laughs) 100%. I I hate the cops. Fuck every cop. But uh, I deserved it. And I never got it, you know? Yeah, exactly. But but I was clearly a privileged white kid with some money who like, you know, you, you'd be like, Oh, that kid's mom's going to be, uh, maybe she's connected, you know, like, well, but at the same time, I think they're willing to give you a little more, uh, you know, leniency, leeway. a little yeah. more leeway than they're going to give George Floyd here. And also a little more leeway than they're going to give this crazy lunatic who just yeah. shot his wife for not, uh, you know, giving him enough sex. I, I want to say that they, they give, like le- more leeway to peaceful people, but even that like, Dylan Roof, that motherfucker who shot oh, up the God. church. Yeah, that in, guy. Uh, that Hutt, guy. They, totally they unharmed. They him a fucking burger. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "Yeah, man, the prison food sucks. You want a double stack?" Like they. Yeah. No. They, exactly. And that's why 
We need these protests. So a yeah. uh, message here is being held on a million-dollar bond and faces Good. up to 80 years in prison if convicted. God, I hope he dies before he gets to court. I think that would probably be a good thing. I don't believe in state violence, but I do believe that people like that should be taken care of by whoever comes in their way. <laughs> people, send your story to stickaroundpodcast.gmail.com. We have some phone calls coming up next, 323-522-4032. But first, here's a word from our sponsor, Adam and Eve. It's butt plug month on adamandeve.com. Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. So we got a few phone calls to get to, 323-522-4032. I was telling you offline that we, we have like a wide variety of callers. And people remember when you call in, keep it under three minutes and I'll definitely play it here on the show. Um, we did get some good calls this week. Um, this one, this guy calls in. We, we've had several guys call in talking about their mushroom trips, tripping on mushrooms. Um, I'm thinking you would probably... John, uh, Jan Michael Vincent, you would probably be a really good authority here to advise this guy. So here's a guy calling in about tripping on mushrooms. Let's do it. Hey, this is that, uh, like that mushroom dude. You guys like got that call from last year. Um, I haven't called back in like a minute cause I haven't even listened to any of your episodes or nothing like that. Uh, just an update where I'm at. I'm not high on mushrooms anymore right now. I'm kind of just drunk as fuck. Uh, I gave up the mushroom thing for a little bit. Might as well. Uh, Harrison, by the way, that microdose and shit ain't for shit. Tried that for like two months. Ain't done enough for me. Um, <laughs> I wonder if this guy's going to listen to the intro of the show. <laughs> I, just, I just want to know if this guy like got good mushrooms. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like There's, he's Southern. There's an easy way to out yourself for swag, man. It's microdoses don't work. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Um, but still, like, uh, I was listening through all the episodes and whatnot. I was listening through that last episode because I was, like, all quarantined, all that stuff. But um, so I listened to that episode you guys actually played me on. And <laughs> I just got to say one thing that I was, like, fucked up out of my mind. Um, so, I mean, I'll... yeah, we do call this the drunk dial line. So typically when people call, they don't even remember calling. And so sometimes <laughs> we'll get a call from them the next day that apologizes for the call that they made you know, the previous night. That just humanizes these people to me because yeah. I have to make those calls a lot. <laughs> you what I wrote. I can't really read like half the shit because it's like all scribbles and all that. Oh, wow. So this guy was taking notes. He was writing a journal while he was tripping. Yeah. Do you do that? It means they worked, dumbass. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've got good handwriting, but, like, I take notes all the time when I – I think it's a good idea. But I also carry a notebook around because I'm a joke writer. Yeah, yeah. So, like, so you just I'm naturally prepared to – like, I'm, I'm in the rhythm of taking out a notebook and taking notes. If you don't take notes a lot and you're trying to do it while opening your third eye, come on, man. <laughs> well, let's let's see what this guy has. I mean, I'll give you a quick reading of what I tried to do. Um, so let's see where you go. Uh, first, Ryan. I, mean, I hope it's about a mousetopia. Hope it. <laughs> 
was on for like three pages. It's ridiculous, dude. I mean, real. Don't read the uh, It goes, I'm just a child at heart that's been kidnapped, messy, and only likes to play, but that's not okay, says society. I'm holding me down. My arms, my words will spray. Wait, is this a free verse poem? Okay, first off, I believe that anything you write while on psychedelics is a safe space that shouldn't be made fun of. And second of all... That's not going to happen. Bro, you made that rhyme. Come on, you're asking for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, he's sharing it with like, the public here, your, so... You opened your third eye and you found out your third eye is bad at poetry? <laughs> like, <laughs> your third eye is a 90s rapper. All right, all right. tell me more, Questlove. Brain. This makes sense that say it's okay, but it ain't. I'm That's an ICP lyric. What are you talking 100%. about? What are you talking about? Who are you trying to fool? He's actually coming very close to writing a poem, though. Yeah, I think it is. It ain't okay, but hear my words. I'll take it, pray. I'm coming from a millennial born before 2K. Scored to face the world of... World of Do you think Eminem microdoses before he writes his songs? No, he takes Percocet. Oh, okay. It's well, he used to. Now he's bad. Stay oh. <laughs> <laughs> created. I'm here to face the ones that like to stay blind and hide from the truth, never to come face to face. But, no are, but who are they to blame? Growing up in the... What the hell is he talking about? I actually follow this. Keep <laughs> Do you, right? Okay, all right. Give I'm going to blow your mind in a minute. Okay, is... all right, all right. <laughs> this is USA, come all... I can't read that one. My brother marked <laughs> by the red, white, and, and my marked by the red, bl white, and blue. Marked to show shit we've been through. So you're a highest fan before all of you. <laughs> like I said, it's like straight gibberish. And it's like not. Said, it goes. Wait, you found your truth. Two or three more pages. You motherfucker. Read the pages. <laughs> well, well, he he does call back for part two, so we might get a we might get a bit more. But let's see what else he's what else he has. To say. I ain't gonna read all this unless you guys really want me to. But I'm gonna go ahead and sign up for you guys' Patreon. Like I said, I've been self quarantined for like the past week and a half, and that's good. Don't sign up for the Patreon. And yeah, <laughs> and wear a mask. Uh, I mean, if you guys need any more updates for any of that shit from me. I mean, I'll be on there or whatnot, but I mean, I haven't been doing much really. Other than that, I've been, I got some more music production, so hopefully it's I can get some actual happen. songs out there with this amount of time. I'm doing a lot better place than I was last year. Yeah. Uh, last year I had a, I figured out I had a pedophiliac grandfather. Oh, babe. <laughs> Talk about a cliffhanger. Did you say, wait, first hey, of all. that's when it cut off? Yeah. <laughs> No, there's a part a two. There's a part two. But first of all, I just oh want to say, did he just create a word? Pedophilic? Oh, do you say pedophilic or pedophiliac? I think he said he had a pedophilic grandfather. Oh, I thought he said, said pedophiliac. pedophiliac. And I, I was mean, thinking, like, I've never heard that word. I think, that, I mean, at bare minimum, he's, he's massaging an already existing word. <laughs> but, oh, man, all, so much of that. See, here's the thing, man. He... I, I don't know what part two sounds and I'm just going to talk out my ass, but the thing that I love about that, and I'll, I think this ties into what I love about psychedelics in general. What I love about his poem is it begins with his idea of what a poem is supposed to be. He's rhyming. He has a little bit of like his flow that is obviously important to him with his music and shit. Mm. But then when like the mushrooms really kick in, 
he just starts writing a poem about like his frustrations as an American in a very fucked up, dark moment. And like, I kind of love, like, I'm, I'm from Tennessee. I love dudes with that accent. <laughs> like deeply I, I i bro if you listen to this if you think i'm making fun of you only partially and it's only with love uh like it's, you're like, kind of like robin williams and dead poet society dude, here. well i'm I, I'm moved right now i'm robert williams and dead poet society if that guy did like a lot of drugs with guys who liked pantera um <laughs> like no i i i, I genuinely like the thing that's so cool about mushrooms and the thing that's cool about poetry is like when he started writing the poem, he dropped all of the pretenses of art and just started writing a poem. Like all of the well, weird writing there. You yeah, know? The, yeah. The rhyming disappears. And he, like, he starts to like get into some like really genuinely deep shit. And part of the problem is his handwriting sucks, bro. Uh, get your phone out, <laughs> type in notes. Yeah. It yeah. Type cool. in notes on your iPhone. When you're on mushrooms, the text on your screen looks like it's floating. It's awesome. Also no bad handwriting. I say this is someone who had to work a long time to get good handwriting. But like, if you listen to that poem, like he's talking about like his frustrations with money. He's talking about his frustrations with art. He's talking about his frustrations with society. He's talking about how his brother doesn't understand like the things that he creates. And like, I didn't understand all the poem cause you were muttering a lot and you didn't have all of the words, but like, that is, you you wrote something that's more poignant than any like trapped song I've ever heard. Like See, that's that's a better song that you wrote than Headstrong. Like you know? I, I guess I saw it as more of like a justification for smothering infants. But oh no no that's poem part two. <laughs> that's part two that's coming up that's right where now. He, where he uses a psilocybin punch. <laughs> the I use Just my shit that badunk a dunk on top of that baby. My psilocybin <laughs> booty smothers all the soft spots. <laughs> all right, he does call in with a part two here, though. Hit me. Dum, 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 dramatic cliffhanger. I'm glad yeah. you guys got rid of that flat-ass beef or whatever that just straight cut you off, because I remember that freaked me out last year. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, the main reason why I called you guys is like because that last episode you guys playing, you guys were talking shit about Animal Crossing. Fuck y'all. Like, for yeah. real. Like, Wait a dude. What wait, about the pedophiliac? Like, I just found out I got a pedophile grandfather, and then I heard you motherfuckers talk shit on Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just, like, first off, like, I, I've i got some trauma in my life. I've, I've got some stuff. Like, I I relate to where you're coming from, man. And, like, it's not, not in my family, but, like, I had, a, I had a fucked up childhood. And, like, if you've got pain with that, 110%. But if you have pain with that and you can displace it because you're mad some guy talks shit on Tom Nook, <laughs> you're... I'm not being dark, man. If you can be more mad about Animal Crossing than your pedophile grandfather, you have healed, my brother. Yeah, he's moved beyond that. <laughs> like, you, beyond you, that pain. You've experienced healing the likes of which I can't imagine. <laughs> Maybe he's just displaced that anger, you know? Um, I want to say I don't even remember what we were saying about Animal Crossing, but you, maybe who remember. That is such an amazing game. Like, oh, it's not really like the gameplay that's like amazing. It's just like I don't know. It's just the consistency where you can come back to the same game and then like the people still be there and oh, they'll be God. still doing the same things that you were doing. Hit, hit pause real quick. That is the most beautiful human. Oh my, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not even talking shit, dude. My heart, 
Are you microdosing right now? No, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm going to do a bunch of drugs after this, but I'm sorry. He's just like, look, the gameplay is not great, but Animal Crossing is amazing because when you come back, people are still there. Are you fucking kidding? That's a country song. Are you fucking- <laughs> it's like no matter what happens in your life, you know, what? fucking Bobby okay. Barrington is still sitting there, at, you know, fishing in the, the little fucking pool outside of your little makeshift house. You know who you never know. has a fight with you that never ends? Animal Crossing. Henry the Hedgehog will still be there to talk to you. It's like, I, you know, they're all I mean, there. Like, Those are real people. My partner's never wa- never played video games. Uh, she she drunkenly beat uh, Super Mario, the Lost Levels once at a friend's house when we were 18 and Ooh. just never played games again outside of like uh, Candy Crush. I got her Animal Crossing when uh, the quarantine hit and she has put easily 200 hours into that game in the last like six months and like it is it's 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 not have you played it it's yeah i i I have it's not gaming the way that i want a game but i think that like this dude is onto something i think that the thing that i've learned to love about animal crossing with her is that like it's soothing i play a game to get aggression out and she plays animal crossing i think to like temper her brain and just like you know what? It's like gardening for people who live in a, an era where we don't own land. You know? Uh, you you to... know, maybe if they somehow did some kind of hybrid of Grand Theft Auto and Animal Crossing. Oh, if I could go and, like, seize other people's islands, I would play that bitch all day. Right? <laughs> just like, if take I could, their homes. Yeah, if I could just build, like, a, a put a nice kimono on the wall and build my weird little swinger dungeon and then go and, like, fuck up some person's island and take their property that would be amazing i've always thought it'd be cool to like just be you know floating around this big evil pirate ship that's just all black and then you just like come onto this animal crossing island and just like yeah rape and pillage i would almost play that then (laughs) bad animal crossing i would just pillage i don't believe in sexual assault okay yeah yeah maybe not the sexual assault part but smothering i would smother everyone on that fucking island that's the yeah. That's the, I'll, I'll I'll kill you. I don't give a shit. But like, I'm not gonna violate your personhood. I'm gonna take your soul out of your body. But like, you are still a person with autonomy and the right to say yes or no. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I'm gonna amend my statement. Um, the, uh, but no, like the, the like that, the thing he said is like accidentally beautiful. Yeah, I think it, yeah. I don't. I think it was incidental. Is there more? The day before, or even talked about the same stuff before. I don't know. It's just when you're kind of fucked up, you like to have that kind of same consistency in your life and the motion you like to go through. And that game really puts it out there for you. But um, start, I'm done talking all my shit. What I'm from the store right now, about to get more beer. Yes. Um. But yeah, I mean that's all I really got going on in my life right now. Oh uh, really, God! You you I did. I ain't really thought about a major point. Killing myself lately, but it's some of the Starzans, but it's been a lot better. It's been a lot better. Okay. Don't so, kill yourself. Fuck. Keep playing Animal Crossing, man. First off, <laughs> yeah. You know what? Here, if you're listening to this and you're still contemplating suicide, I want to be 100 with you, okay? Your life has value. There are people who love you. And also, if you kill yourself, everyone on your island will continue to stay on that island, but nothing will be maintained. Your suicide, your selfish suicide is going to cause weeds to grow on your Animal Crossing island. People are going to visit. Everyone's going to be like, 
what the fuck's up with this guy? I know, my wife didn't play it for two weeks, came back to a bunch of passive-aggressive messages. I can't imagine what Tom Nook would say if he found out you killed yourself. Yeah, if you died, like, what would happen? Would, it, like, would all those, would all the your goes on. Animal Crossing friends just kind of be like, he never came back. He abandoned Basically, me. I had a buddy who turned on his GameCube, and he hadn't logged into Animal Crossing in, like, 10 years. And the, it was like a ghost town. Like, <laughs> the, it was full of weeds and shit was decrepit. One of the guys came up and was like, nice of you to finally show back up. Like if ghosts could be passive aggressive. Oh, uh, it's <laughs> terrible. Like, yeah, exactly. Think about Henry the Hedgehog and like Billy Barrington or whatever their names are. It doesn't matter. You got- Just think about them. You know? Also, I, I can't get away from like, I, I love how games show you who people truly are. Like, if you play Monopoly, you'll figure out which one of your parents is a sociopath. Um, you know, <laughs> like the if you play a, a shooter game and one of your friend comes over and like teabags your corpse, you're like, oh, that guy's an asshole. I love that this dude who anyone else, you just hear his voice. You know, I'm just I'm going to stereotype you for a minute, brother, but I want to be very clear. I don't want you to self-harm and I love how much you love Animal Crossing and I love your poetry. I want you to keep <laughs> writing. And I want you to do it on a computer because your handwriting is bad. And as a writer, it, it's important. You got to read your own shit. But like, I deeply love that everything about the way this band sounds is like rough. It's authentic. He, like he was talking about his music career. He sounds like he's like I'm, I'm a white rapper. I've got a really deep southern accent. I'm from Tennessee. People with your voice make me feel like home. And then you're like, and also, uh, I fucking love Animal Crossing. It gives me stability in a world that seems unsure. And I'm like, that is what I love about gaming. <laughs> You know, I got to say, you're much more positive than any co-host I've ever had on this show. Look, man, you can read about Albert Fish and his proclivities and still want people to live their best life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 see, here's the thing. I look at the darkness of the world, and that gives me all the more reason to have hope. Because in, as shitty as life is, art still survives. As bad as things are and as violent as things are, people still find hope. Uh, when I was a little kid, there was a creepy neighborhood lifeguard who tried to molest me, and I could very easily like focus on that and focus on like how you can't trust people who are in positions of authority, or I could choose to put my energy into being a positive force for children and to encourage people when they get down. To me, the, the saddest thing in the world is someone who has everything and has nothing to say. And, exactly. Like, now I agree I, with that. I agree. This Did- dude, he's got nothing, and he's like but I got some mushrooms and I got animal crossing and I wrote this poem. He said yes to more life than any rich motherfucker ever has. You know, he's not just stacking his paper. He's living. Exactly. Exactly. No, I totally agree with that. This guy, this guy is like as authentic as you can possibly be. I love him. Does he have a name Um, or is he just mushroom guy? I just, I don't know. I just wrote mushroom guy. Cause we didn't, typically we give nicknames to people, but uh, I think I just gave mushroom guy, but yeah, if you call in, I love you. Yeah. If you call in mushroom guy, um, Maybe tell us your name so you could use your name. I still call um, you Mushroom Guy, but I do want to know for your personhood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Harrison, you guys keep going at it, don't matter how whatever else says, you guys are the shit. Uh, but yeah, that's what's it. Peace out. Always, always <laughs> love a compliment. Peace out. Always love a compliment that lets you know someone else is talking shit on you. <laughs> I think you guys are great. I don't care what anybody else says. It's like, I, I know. It's a, no matter how shitty your podcast is, I think you guys are cool. Look, man, if you're I a loser, it's that. okay. I... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you there, Mushroom Guy. And uh, yeah, I want to hear what happened to your pedophile grandfather. It's like you just I, omitted a major detail there. 
you know what? I I think you, sometimes you hear that shit and like sometimes someone just has to say it. He was like, you know, my music's weird. I did mushrooms. I wrote this poem. Grandpa's a pedophile. Also, you guys talk shit about Animal Crossing. <laughs> I think sometimes you just gotta vocalize. You gotta say the evil once out loud so that like the evil knows you know it's there. But you don't always gotta like dive into it. Well, maybe we'll see if it makes him feel I, better. I wouldn't mind hearing this story. Affirmations are important, yeah. man. That's there's a reason magic said out loud. All right, last call we have here is a uh, shit story from the UK. This one's dark. Number two. Hi, Dean Harrison. Hope you're both, both doing well. Uh, just following from an email I'd sent re- recently, uh, Dee got in touch with us and said it, it sounded pretty interesting so far. Gives you more detail, really, with it. Uh, basically, where I work in one of our departments, we deal with like housing adults, like families are sometimes like adults who are like, vulnerable and need, need to live in like, support living because they can't live independently. Uh, it's sad, but it's quite funny as well at the same time. Wait a second. So this guy works in like an assisted living facility? I think so. Sounded like that. I've seen train spotting a bunch of times, and I'm thankful because otherwise I'd be lost right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to determine where his accent's from. I don't know if it's Scottish, maybe. It sounds Scottish. It's hard to it's hard to decipher though, especially the two dumbass Americans, you know. <laughs> Uh, over a week, one of my mates from the Safegan team emails me about uh, some lady who... We went over to Scotland, did Edinburgh Fringe Festival a couple years ago, and we hung out with them. We have some great Scottish fans, a, a really rowdy bunch over there. Those guys drink a lot. But I remember we were hanging out with them, and in the beginning, I had a pretty good grasp of what they were saying, but as the night progressed and as we drank more Buckfast and whatever else they drink over there... I had no no fucking clue what any of these guys were saying. And it's like there's yeah. an English guy who kind of looked a bit like Frodo from uh, Lord of the Rings who was there. And he was like, I'll be your interpreter. And he just interpreted everything that these Scottish people were saying because I, I had no clue. No clue. Well, I think she shouldn't who's been rushed to hospital uh, for all intensive purposes. Can't really name names because uh, privacy and whatnot. For her. So I'll just call her Mrs. B. Uh, it's quite a lengthy email, so I'll just give you a bit of an excerpt of what they said to me, basically. Uh, he said, uh, Good morning. Miss B is experiencing persistent hallucinations, telling her to eat the fecal matter from the shared bathroom in her accommodation. At present, she is able to rationalize that is not food. <laughs> quickly, quickly. Has that ever happened when you were microdosing? <laughs> no. I, I also want to say the most, the most English thing I can imagine is how proper... Just, Mrs. B is eating the excrement from her shared bathroom. <laughs> like, that is, that's, I, just like the decorum to not lose your shit and be like, she's eating shit, get in here. It's like, what the fuck is going on? It's like, no, she's uh, devouring the excrement from her, from the, from the loo. It, it's so much worse when you use the TV clean version. Like, I feel oh, like yeah. Pat Nozzle said, it's so much worse. Flushes it to prevent anything from happening. She said that if she flushes the toilet quick enough, it will stop her getting into a fight with the voices in her head, which she states, you need to eat it to survive. <laughs> kind of like a weird shit. What the hell kind of voice is that? It's like the fecophiliac voice. You know, oh. all people have seven voices in their head. <laughs> I feel like Just, the fecophiliac uh, voice is the voice that definitely always sounds like it has something in its throat. <laughs> yeah, it's like really hey, good. That's definitely the, that's eat a clogged the throat. shit. <laughs> <laughs> don't, so she's got to like flush the toilet really quick before the fecophiliac voice convinces her to do it. Exactly. Uh, so 
I thought that was fucking hilarious, to be honest. So I've looked in her case and all that. And <laughs> this guy's the best, like, you know, uh, social worker that I've ever so met. So low-key. <laughs> yeah, it's like, he's so great. He's like, you know, oh. I read this. She's eating shit. Hilarious. Is, I mean, I did social work for, uh, like, seven years in Tennessee. And this is the level of calm. Like, I... <laughs> Like, doing stand-up was great. It taught me how to, like, talk in public and shit. Doing social work taught me how to be a chill motherfucker in the face of adversity. Oh, yeah. And, like, like the, I had a guy who was have a seizure while naked. Uh, he was wearing a bathrobe. But he was like, have you ever seen someone have a seizure? And I was like, no. Nah. And he's like, sorry. And then he <laughs> fell out of his wheelchair. Oh, man. And his bathrobe exploded open. And then his 10-year-old daughter came home five minutes later. And, uh, and, and I was just like, eh? And she was like, yeah, he does that sometimes. But like you, you have these like you have these life experiences. You have yeah. to be nonchalant because like you have to be calmer than whoever's living it. You know. Oh yeah. But yeah. I, I, I've never seen someone eat poop. <laughs> I know. So I would chill. be screaming. I'd be running out of the room, being like, "Nurse, get in there and deal with this." this. The outside of the movie Taken, when Liam Neeson hears his daughter being kidnapped and is like, "I have a particular set of skills," like to be in that moment and still be a bad motherfucker is like so alien to me. <laughs> but to hear about someone eating poop and not like wild out, like you just heard the funniest joke on Def Jam, is insane. To yeah, me. No, no, this guy's <laughs> maintaining composure. She's sad, but she's got a lot of like mental health issues and severely schizophrenic. Uh, most recently, in, in in June, she had an incident uh, where one of the care workers were left her literally five minutes on her own just to do whatever, and she'd went in the toilet, obviously done a business, uh, and she couldn't handle it. The voices in her head, they just didn't let her, let her flush it. Uh, so, obviously, she Don't just flush. popped a squat, crouched down, and just devoured everything in the toilet bowl. Ah. Uh, about five, ten minutes later, the care worker came in and seen a hunched over like Gollum, like coughing, retching like a cat trying to cough up a hairball. Uh, so obviously they don't know what the fuck's happened. So ah. drives at the A and E. Turns out she's in like not only she like ate loads of shit, she actually ate like bleach that was in the toilet bowl from the previous person. Which wait, 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 wait. She ate what? Bleach. Oh, bleach that was in the toilet. So someone had cleaned the toilet from the first time oh. that she had an adventure. And then the toilet was so clean that when she uh, Shit. went back for seconds, there was still chemical in it. And she ate some of the uh, chemical. ate the bleach. Ugh, but, God, that's and terrible. as gross as that is, at least it's not pure shit. Yeah, yeah. You'd think that almost would be better for you? Well, I, can't, I, don't, I don't really know where the middle ground is. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I'm a glass no. half full kind of guy, but in this case, both halves are full of something bad. And full of something terrible. All. Um, so, yeah, so she has to have a stomach pump, and she's been in hospital for two months since then. So, not good. So, I think the moral of this story really is just stay away from the forbidden chocolate. All right, keep it sitting wrong. <laughs> that is everything. Okay, first off, that is such a social worker story because he ended on a laugh. <laughs> Yeah, stay stay away from the forbidden chocolate. Stay away from the forbidden chocolate. <laughs> also, I feel like that story would have been worse if he was an American. I believe, like not like same facts. I think there is something calming about just that, that, story that English guy. From the yeah, voice yeah. Of an English or Scottish guy. I'm sorry. If, I know it's if I was Scottish, I would be deeply offended. If I was English, I would not care because I had destroyed most of the world. But uh, yeah. I. I 
I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't, I kind of want to hear the mushroom guy write a song about it. Oh, you know? man. <laughs> I, I think he would probably, I, the problem is he would spend three to four weeks finding words that rhymed with uh, bleach and shit or turn. Like he, he would, it would, it would just be Turned. a mess of synonyms. <laughs> yeah, it would probably be a mess. Well, thank you for that shit story. Um, yeah, that was kind of horrifying. That was a lot, man. Yeah, that was, that was a lot to deal with. Uh, but yeah, yeah, welcome to Sick and Wrong. Uh, we, did, uh, <laughs> we smothered a baby today, and I was still more upset about the uh, the turds. <laughs> People call the Sick and Wrong hotline um, 323-522-4036. Uh, best way to support the show is by becoming a Sick and Wrong patron. I know we say this every week, but Patreon is where it's at. Like, if you get your regular dose of Sick and Wrong every week, but you don't feel it's enough... Go to patreon.com slash sick and wrong. You get an extra story, you get extra phone calls, you get outtakes. There's a lot There's a lot going on over there. So just go over there. We appreciate you uh, donating to the Patreon, supporting the shows. Um, we're supporting the show. Um, this week I'm supposed to have a friend of mine from uh, the Got Faded podcast in Japan uh, hosting the, uh, the Patreon content. So just go to patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Um, and uh, yeah, enjoy it. Um, finally here, Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. I'm kind of going with the theme here because we were talking about the Mousetopia. I'm in the show with a song um, from one of, I love this band, great band, kind of a lesser known band. They're called The Rats. And if you do a search for this band, try to find out like, you know, I want to find out what records the rats have made. Like you do a search for the rats, there's like six bands that use that name. So it's kind of hard to find. But the rats, the band that I'm talking about was uh was uh fronted by a guy named David Kubinek, aka Kubi. And uh he was in a bunch of different bands in England. Um some of them even produced by like John Cale, but the rats were kind of like kind of like a T Rex type junk shop glam band. And their first album, uh it's called First Long Player Record, was a collection of his songs that were produced by Adrian Miller, who later on went out to to produce uh, Black Sabbath. So, uh, yeah, great band. Uh, the album's called Fur- Rat's First Long Player Record. And then they have another one called The Second Long Player Record. Um, both pretty hard to find. But this song is called Glad You're Not Me. They only had one hit. This one hit, Turtle Dove, which is very T-Rex. But this song, Glad You're Not Me, is my favorite song off the record. So we're going to end the show here with The Rat's Glad You're Not Me. John Michael, thanks for hosting, man. It's been a lot hey, of fun. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man. Definitely going to have you back. People will be back next week with episode 757. Till then, take it sleazy.
first jokes i wrote that i truly loved uh was uh hey guys what if what if the best night's sleep you ever had was the night you rolled over on your baby <laughs> and kinda... it's a it's a really it, it's it's not an easy joke <laughs> i would like, love to hear you do that is that the closer uh <laughs> or the actually, opener i used it to close a lot um <laughs> But the thing that's like great about it, I found, was not the dead baby. Uh, though there's a there's a longer bit. Like I think it'd be worse if you had a Tempur-Pedic. But uh, oh yeah, because <laughs> you see the indention. Uh, 